Thank you. You may be seated. Order, honorable members. The first item on the order paper is a motion in the name of the Chief Whip of the Majority Party. I now recognize the Chief Whip of the Majority Party. Honorable Chief Whip. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair of, Chair of, 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 of the House. Allow me to read this motion. We note that the term of office of the Auditor General is due to end on the 30th of November 2020. Established in terms of Rule 253, subsection 1A, and other committee on the appointment of the Auditor General. The committee to nominate a person in terms of section 193 of the constitution for appointment as auditor general that committee must uh, consist of 11 members of the national assembly breakdown as follow anc6 da2 eff1 and other parties two that will give us a total of 11. exercise those powers in rule 167 necessary to assist it in carrying out its task and the, this other committee to report to the House on the nomination of the Auditor General by the 31st of August 2020. I so move this motion, Chair of, uh, uh, of the House. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chief Whip. Are there any objections to the motion as read by the Honorable Chief Whip? No objections, Chairperson. Mm. I must be assisted on who's raising their hands. My screen is off here. Mr. Singh, yes, can I hear you? Agreed, Chair. Uh, I said agreed, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you. If there's no one who is going to object, let's pass it, unless the hand is for objection. Honorable Swart? No, House Chair. Just some of our members are struggling to link up still, and they're wondering, um, are they, so obviously, but we've got no objection, just to indicate there are a number of members still signing into the host room. Thank you. Okay. If we can be assisted by our ICT to bring in all those members that are on virtual. Please assist us. Uh, honorable members, let me say that uh, if members in this uh, chamber are speaking, there's no way you can be muted. And there is a terrible feedback wh when people are watching back home. So please, let's, 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 be, uh, let's know that that is happening and try to avoid it. Um, we can mute the, the house, but you can mute the gadgets. Thank you very much. So there's no objection. The, the, the motion as read by the chief whip is agreed to.
The second motion on the order paper is also in the name of the Chief Whip of the Majority Party. Honorable Chief Whip. Thank you very much, Honorable uh, House Chair. Honorable House Chair, with the recent challenges of COVID-19, that the House notwithstanding Rule 138, subsection 2, which provides for rotation of clusters for questions to ministers on a weekly basis as determined by the Rules Committee, mandates that the National Assembly Programming Committee to make decisions regarding the combination of clusters of government portfolios and the rotation of clusters based on the definition of priorities as and when necessary for the duration of 2020 annual session. I so move, Honorable House Chair. Thank you very much. Are there any objections to the motion, Nesret? No objections agreed to. Uh, we now move to the first order of the day. I will allow the secretary to read it. Consideration of first report of National Assembly Rules Committee 2020 virtual meetings. Thank you. I will now allow the chief whip of the majority party again from the chamber. Uh, Honorable Chief Thank you very much, uh, Honorable House Chair. Honorable House Chair, I move to this uh, August House to report to adopt this report. Thank you. The, are there any objections to the motion as read by to the first motion as read by the Chief Whip? Yes, there is objection. No. Uh, there is an objection from the EFF. Thank you, Honorable uh, and, uh, Shambu. Your House Chair. Your Yes, Honorable uh, Shibambu? Yeah, we, we also want to call for a division. We want to vote against uh, this virtual role because we don't think that this is an adequate uh, way of conducting parliament, particularly under these current circumstances. We had considered it differently when we debated in the National Assembly Programming but Committee. But explain. Just tell us you are calling for division. We hear you. That's yeah. how we operate. The EFF yeah, calls calling for, for division. division. It's allowed and the bells will be rung uh, for two minutes. Okay. Ten minutes, yes. I'm asked ten minutes. It was not prepared for. Thank you. It will... Oh, oh because... Okay. Thank you. I'm told that most people are still trying to log in. So we have to wait for 10 minutes so that people can log into their gadgets there for virtual. Thank you very much. So we have the whole 10 minutes to ourselves. Thank you. No, it's not a break, but you can move out.
Epegi, kunjani. Umsenzi mningila, aksapu nyuru. Tanke wa manja, siyo fota njani. Comrade Jackson, don't abuse that. Everybody must keep quiet. We are not here to hear your chair, Comrade Jackson. You are just jealous, Dr. Nclosi. Hey, Comrade Jackson. I'm uh, just putting your leg, Peggy. All right, Priam. I, if it's you, agree. Once a chief, you follow the chief. All right, please. We are in the house. No, Chairperson, the house has got 10 minutes. Oh. <laughs> Peggy, you out of order. I thought you oh, said uh, it's 10 minutes. Hey, I'm at the Are the bells ringing or not? I thought. Hey, Honorable Khadebe, behave yourself. Hey, my friend. You know very well. I'm one of the most disciplined members there. Well, I, since I'm not there, I think you've changed. I must come back. I couldn't see me.
unmuted. Sister Lady, I see those who are in the house has a right, have a right to speak. We don't have that right.
Thank you, honorable members. We are back to the house now. Uh, honorable members, the speaker has determined that in accordance with the rules of manual voting procedures will be used for this division. Firstly, in order to establish a quorum, I would request the table to confirm that we have the requisite number of members physically present in the chamber and on the virtual platform to take this decision. Uh, party whips, I'll read it later. Then I'll read the number later. I've been given the number. Party whips will then be given an opportunity to confirm the number of their members present and indicate if they vote for or against the question. A I was member, can we please? What, what's happening, Honorable? Yes, Honorable Shibambu. The want to, to can you please establish the quorum issue? Like, how many people are in this platform? Because in this virtual yes, platform, it seems two hundred and eight, and there are so many people who are not members of parliament who are in that process. There, how do you determine? Can you give no, us the exact no. number of there and from where? Thank you, Honorable Shibam. Please do not disturb. Let me read. I will tell you exactly how many people we have later before we vote. I'll tell you that. Uh, party whips will then be given an opportunity to confirm the number of the members present and indicate if they vote against the question. A member who wishes to abstain or vote against the party vote may do so by informing the chair. Having confirmed that we have a requisite forum now, this is where I am going to give the numbers it's given to me by the secretary NA confirmed by our ICT. On virtual platform, we have 252 members. In the house, we have 51 members. So we continue as such. Voting. Chair, chair. Chair, 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 chairperson. I don't see your hand. I don't see your hand. Can you raise your hand instead of shouting, honorable it's, member? It's, a, it's, a, it's honorable Shwambu, yeah. Yes, I'm aware, Hello? Honorable Shibambu. Just yes. switch on and talk. Want, there is want, a process yeah, that yeah, just, just, in the house. Yeah, 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 just quickly, before yes. you, you conduct that vote, on what basis are you conducting that vote? Because there is no rule that gives us the power to vote on anything now. On what basis are you conducting this vote now? Like, what is the, what is the legal basis for you? Because the rule has uh, not been approved. So on what basis Honorable are you approving now? Honorable Shwambu, please be quiet. I'll explain to you if you didn't hear me when I started reading what we're going to do. 
There is yeah, a rule. Please explain again. It says a rule framed by the speaker remains in force until the house. Honorable Shibambo, rule six, number two, agrees that the speaker, the rule may be framed by the speaker and read it on. I'm not going to read it all. Should I have to read it? Okay. A rule framed by the speaker remains in force, yes, 6-2, until the House, based on a recommendation of the Rules Committee, has decided thereon. And this has happened in the Rules Committee, and we have agreed. And that is why I have read this guide now, so that every party should understand and remember what was agreed upon in the Rules Committee about the voting in this House. And please, let's but not be check. disturbed. Let's continue. I'm calling for order. It's permissible. On order. The rule that was adopted by the Rules Committee was speaking in relation to committees. There was no specification in relation to the House. So can you give me the section? In this rule, Honorable, which you are saying we must adopt, that, thing, that the House can sit and vote in this particular Honorable, format. Please give us that rule. Can you give us Honorable, the rule that says that? Because the one that you are Honorable Shibambu, I have documents in front of me that are the, or, or the a confirmation of what happened in the Rules Committee, and it is on document. Can you please not waste our time if you have forgotten what was decided? I have not forgotten anything. Can you give us the specific rule? Has Chair, a point of order, please. Honorable Swart, yes, Chair, you are I'd like to rise on a point of order. If the Honorable Shivambi would like to raise a point of order, let him and rule on it. We can't have a dialogue. Thank you very much. I wanted to clarify. Thank you, Thank you Honorable Swart. There is a document that is adopted by, this, uh, uh, by the Rules Committee and the virtual rules are on it. And we are doing nothing untowards. We are very prepared for these sittings. Thank you very much. Honorable members, we now continue to the Point of order. Part. Point of order. We will now comment. Point of order. Is there any some... Uh, Point of order, Honorable Chair. Uh, honorable, uh, honorable, can you check who's, who's, who's speaking? I don't see a hand. I see Honorable members, I'm not allowing any other points of orders because you don't even raise your hands. You just speak. I Sir, can I be recognized? We do raise hands, but you don't recognize them. Having confirmed that we have rule, we have the requisite quorum, we will now proceed. On a point of order, Chair. Uh, voting will now commence. The doors of the but, chamber no, but will... but there's a point of order. House Chairperson, there's a point of order. House Chair. The but Chair, our hand was up the whole time. <laughs> Point of order. Our hands are going to order here. The chairs make a ruling. Let's continue. Everybody now.
I'm no, but we need a ruling has been made. What ruling, Wena? We're asking to speak here in this meeting. Don't address it like Wena. Well, in this meeting, we don't have a ruling. We need to know what are we on about the chair? Honourable, is it possible to mute everybody so that we continue? No, don't. We need to know how we need to can I raise a point of order? Yes. Honourable members of the EFF. Chairperson, just recognize a point of because order. Because all in a I don't know what you're discussing. Chairperson, continue because you're disturbing us. Just who is speaking now? Because there's no hand here. And I would like IT to mute everybody now. We must continue. We can't be right to hands on by them. Voting will now commence. The doors of the chamber will be locked and members will not be allowed to enter the virtual platform until uh, the voting is concluded. So clearly, even those at home will not enter now if they have not locked in already. Whips would confirm the number of your members present in the chamber and on the virtual platform and indicate if they vote for or against the question. The table will assist if needs be. I believe that the table has got the, the records from IT as to how many members have uh, logged in and that the chief whips be aware of that. So that as they say their numbers, they, co they correspond with what our IT system has. I hope that is clear. Now, our voting will now start. Uh, I'm going to start with the, I've already read the question, I'll now start with the ANC. Honorable Chair, I think uh, it will be very much important that uh, IT through the table staff assist us in terms of saying, because we have not locked in here. So we depend on those that are in IT. They must tell us the numbers uh, so that we can also include the, the, these ones that are here physically in plenary and those that are in virtual. Okay. And that process was supposed to be smooth because we agreed that as people are logging in, they're going to log in according, in accordance to their political parties so that we can know exactly who, how many political party. Thank you. I think that is very clear. Uh, Honorable Masoni? I wonder if I could assist here because um, I've followed the instructions given to me by Mr. Castle. And I can tell you that on behalf of the DA, I carry the mandate for 27 members who are online who vote in favour of the motion, as well as 18 members in the House who vote in favour of the motion. Thank you. We will confirm that as I ask you, but that assists. 
to all the other chief whips that assist to all other whips of artists. Yes. Okay. If we can just continue, maybe with those that are still verifying, they will verify. Let me just call. The DA, if you can call it again so that they can just take it. House Chair, 18 in the House, in favor of, 27 online, in favor of. Thank you very much. Uh, EFF. House Chair, we've been calling a point of order in terms of this issue. Right? We and are we, now we, we utilize the technology to try to finance us. And that is unprocedural because we in Parliament, We've got the permission and the right to speak and raise concerns on the issues that they're raising. So what they're doing is inconsistent with the point of order during to raise the issues that we have to raise here. You can see that this system is not... There can be no point of order during voting. Honorable Khatib, why are you holding the TV now? Let me because because are, there can be no point of order during voting. We were raising a point of order before the voting started. We raised a point of order before the voting started. We raised a point of order before the voting started and then you prevented us from doing so. And the chairperson ruled on the point of order. The chairperson oh, ruled on the, the point chief, of order. Not, 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 why do you speak without being given a permission? Uh, who, are, who are you to speak on behalf of the chair? Who could have just guys, who are you to speak on behalf of the chair? Who are you? You can, you can keep quiet and just leave him to speak first. Chairperson, just run the meeting very smoothly. Allow the chief whip of the EFM to speak on behalf of the members. We're now continuing. I don't know what you're talking about. The, the rules of the house... We have raised a legitimate concern. We have raised a legitimate concern to say which rule are you voting now on? Where does it say that the National Assembly must deal with this thing? Look at the abuse. We are being abused on this platform. People are coming with their kids here. So please clarify in terms of the rule because we want to know how are we going to move forward with this abuse here in this platform. Don't rush to mute our microphones. Clarify us one the rule, the specific rule. Who appointed you? Who appointed you? You are making noises. Exactly. <laughs> Parliament and to make sure that the house is ungovernable. Just as you would. Parliament is not a meeting of the ANC, man. Oh. Why only ANC members have got the right to talk here? Order. We're not in a meeting of the ANC here, Nina. Comrade, order. Yeah, we are not in a meeting of the EFF either. We are in Parliament. Uh, we are now voting in a vacuum. We must be quoted a rule in which we are voting under. 
We can't just make, take votes and then there's no rule that is guiding us. Everything is working according to the rules. Read us the rule that has been adopted to allow the voting of this process. I think we must go to Cape Town. Our members rule are struggling to enter this platform. The president of the EFF cannot even enter this meeting. And, and you, you want us to vote on what? Based on what? You want us to vote on based on what? On what basis are we better to be in parliament than to be there? Well, not change. People are waiting for their three fifties there. Thank you very much. I see, I see everybody who is on this platform. Let me tell you that IT, please mute everybody who comes unrecognized. And if you continue to speak whilst we are busy, we're going to uh, take you out of the house. And the house means even the house where you are in. Because this is a virtual meeting. Honorable members, let me explain that we are not going back. We have explained that these rules are rules that we have all adopted. Now, the only issue that made us to stop for a while was because they are still trying to get the numbers so that the, uh, uh, the whips in the house can be assisted. I think that is what the chief whip was talking to, to say that they must assist us with the numbers and so on. Maybe that is one thing that parliament has overlooked. But in any way, we continue. We already have the numbers for the GA, the EFF, when I ask them to give the numbers, they, they talk about something that we have ruled on, and I'm not going back there because we have ruled on that. Uh, I will pass to the IFP. IFP, if you can give us what your members are saying and how many. Are you still waiting? House Chairperson Honorable Singh okay. will... If he's not ready, may I pass to the next party? We'll come back, whichever party is ready. FF Plus? Yes, Honorable Chairperson. The Freedom Front Plus, three members in the House vote in favor of the report and seven members through the virtual platform. Thank you. Thank you very much. ACDP? Thank you, House Chair. We support the motion. One, physically in the House. Two, on virtual. And Mari Sukkers is still trying to join the platform. She's waiting to be accepted. So I don't know what her status is, but there's a challenge. Uh, uh, presently, we said those that are in, we lock it. We will try and bring them in. But we have a quorum, and whoever is not locked in now, we lock them out. Yes. They, but they will be uh, allowed to come in as, uh, after this vote. Um, 
the ACGP, the UDM, any member of the UDM, IT, please assist us. Allow those members because as we continue with our program, our work today, we will be calling for names. So make sure that you are ready to connect those people that we will be calling. We don't want a choir to come in. Please assist us, IT, as we continue. Right, um, UDM is a member of the UDM. Any member of the UDM, there are only, how many, by the way? Two. No, two. Any one of them who's in? None. Kona. I see Abdullah ATM. No, they have to, when I call this uh, party, they have to unmute the person. They know exactly what should happen. It's, they There's must no tell us the, 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 the IT people <laughs> if there is a problem. There's no unmuting one person. Uh, Lizette, I'm sorry, Honorable Lizette. Honorable Chairperson, um, I wish to record that we've got seven IFP MPs on the virtual platform in favor, and myself and the National Assembly in favor, so we're eight. Smooth. That's how it should go. Um, ATM, there's not response. Good. Do we have anybody? Okay. NFP. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. The NFP is one. You were fired yesterday. One is attempting to get on the virtual meeting. The National Freedom Party, both supports are in favor of this. Thank you. Thank you very much. One. Okay. AIC. AIC. COPE. Yeah, thank you, Chair. Uh, COPE members participating are two one in the house and the other one uh, on virtual. Both agree with the motion. Thank you. Um, PAC? Okay, what? Can you speak, Honorable Member, to the mic and tell us your vote? Can you speak as well? I'm in the house. Yes, Baba Siavonga, secretly voting. Oh, go I'm voting in favor. Thank you very much, you Baba. That's PAC. Aljama. Aiko. Right, I'll go to those that I have uh, left out. I'll go back. Uh, it was uh, the ANC. They're still verifying. Okay, can we read it all after? Can we continue? Is it allowed? Or we have to wait? Okay. Uh, honorable Hello? members at home. Yes. Honorable members at home. They are still verifying the numbers. 
the, the WIPs are still verifying the numbers and we can continue to the next item. We have to wait until we are done with this uh, uh, order that we are on. House Chair. Honorable Member. House Chair, you have locked our members out of the voting system. Yet you're saying we must give you numbers. They, the IT is refusing to allow them, but they have been on the line before the voting. Before the voting was open, before the, the doors were closed. How do you then close them out when they have been waiting on the to be accepted by IT? I think that that's not how we work, uh, Honorable uh, Mentor. Honorable Mentor, everybody who was logged in before the voting should remain logged in. And only those that were not logged in yet have to wait for after this. That can be verified with the, with the, 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 the IT. There's no problem about that. Thank you. Can I give the numbers from the EFF for now, if you are done? If you are not, we pass. Honorable Chair, I thought I understood you very well, saying that those who have already locked in, mm. uh, in virtual, mm. and those that are physically in the house, mm. are the first group to... You are over You are going to allow those who are locked out to vote separately, then combine all the voting. No, 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 no. Maybe oh, you didn't hear me well, Chief Whip. I said, for now, we correct and we lock them out like we usually close doors when they are outside because there is a quorum. There is no problem. We are not going to allow them to come in and vote again, but they will vote on other items that we still have to go to. Honorable <laughs> uh, Chair. aware that members have been. No, please, let's leave it. I'm just waiting for verification of numbers. Whoever is, make, is calling, are you going to give me? What Honorable is the uh, EFF? Can I, can I have the EFF giving me the numbers and not? Can I get the numbers of the EFF? Honorable Chairperson. Honorable Chair. But I keep raising the hand. Nobody ever recognizes me. I keep raising the hand. Oh. Even my hand is up on the platform. Okay. 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 Honorable Chair. Chula Mamshengwa. Eh, Kuluma Babungos. Thanks, Chaperson. Sifuna Mamshengwa. Chaperson. Honorable Chaperson, the challenge that uh, we have, we want to vote, uh, but we don't know because you did not explain when asked to. Remember, you can't treat us as political parties. You have to treat us individually as members. And that's how the voting should be legitimately taken. So you are supposed to explain how we on the virtual platform, under which rule, are supposed to vote and do so how. You did not do that. Thank you very much. 
Thank you, Honorable Zozi. I have explained that to length. Those who were listening heard me and they know what's happening. I'm not going to entertain that. What I want from now from the EFF is the number. Whether so you what is the number of the ANC? How did they vote those people of the ANC? I'm curious to know. They are still very Oh, the DA, how did they vote? How did they vote? Uh, uh, thank, thank, okay. you, thank you, Chair. Chair, I think that um, we must stick to the rules book of Parliament. Mm. If we were in this house, all of us, we would have been waiting for the results of the voting to come out not interacting with any member that is here inside this house. Okay. So we need to follow the rules of parliament. I don't see any need for you, honorable chair of the house, to entertain people who are howling virtually and not waiting for the outcome of the voting. I think we must sit here quietly and wait for the outcome of the voting, having received the numbers from other, from other, from other chief whips uh, of the parties. Can we quietly wait for the outcome? Thank, Thank you, you for the advice. That, uh, Honorable uh, I've been raising my hand on the platform chair. Can you recognize me? Chairperson? Chairperson Baroto? No, I don't, don't recognize her. Chairperson Baroto? Why are we being held now by entities? Chairperson Boroto, are you sleeping in the chair as usual? <coughs> Why Just give numbers. Money? Stop calling the chair. Give numbers. You don't want to give numbers. As must we give? We are not your voting cattle. Did you give the numbers? How did you even get the numbers? We are not your voting cattle. Yeah, the participants don't are not here to rubber The platform is not locked. We too. You are the voting now. You must vote. Participants are in an We are now. That we are too special in this parliament. That this parliament is yours. It's not yours. This parliament belongs to all of us. You EFF people, you think it's your parliament. That's why you don't even mute your speakers. We are, we are smart. We are smarter than People are listening to what you're saying. Yes. That the parliament belongs to others. And it's not your parliament also.
Honorable members, they are still verifying the numbers from IT that have been given, and we are waiting also for the ANC's numbers. We will continue. We have to be very patient. This is another way of doing parliament work, but we have to be patient. Thank you.
Thank you very much. We are now back. Uh, the ANC was still verifying. Chief Whip of the ANC, can we have your vote? Chair, thank you very much. ANC in virtual platform, there are 99 members that are present on the virtual platform. Here physically in the house, the ANC has 24 members that are physically present here, and all these members are voting in favor of that motion. Thank you. Thank you very much. I just want uh, to go back to the EFF and let them give us the number. If the, the EFF, can you give uh, us uh, your chair, vote? Chairperson, you gave the ANC, you gave the ANC more than 30 minutes to verify, and they were assisted by the IT people in the parliament there. We do not have, we did not have mm. that privilege. We are still verifying as well. Can you please give us an opportunity? We'll come back to you after like a, a period of time, and then we'll tell you. And, and we still are raising a concern about the basis of this vote. But give us time like you did with the ANC to then come back to you in terms of oh, what is our vote. Honorable Shibambo. The ANC was given more than 30 minutes to verify uh, uh, this process. I didn't give the ANC the time. I give parties that have not uh, given their votes time. And it is not done by me. It is done by IT. So we have to verify with IT. Yeah, can, 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 IT, can, IT, can IT help us? Yes. Because can, can you tell IT to help us as well? Yes, that's what I'm going to say. Lalele. IT, IT has given honorable. Uh, we have not been contacted by IT here. 
We want IT to contact us to help us like the help they Honorable Shibambu, how many are they? Okay. Honorable Shibambu, let me help you. We were working with IT. And after this uh, vote, every chief whip can verify. The IT has told us that the people on virtual from EFF are 28. And in the house, we have two. So, exactly our point, exactly our point, Chair, that we've, 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 the entire caucus of the EFF is supposed to be in this meeting and has been disallowed to participate what in this. How, how do you want us to vote? How do you want us to vote when you have disallowed members of the EFF of Parliament to participate in this platform? What kind of parliament is this that disallows democratically elected members to participate? Can you mute Honorable Shibambo IT? Thank you. But he's a chief whip of the EFF. He must talk. Why are we muting him? Can you mute them all? Honorable Shibambu, Honorable Chief Whip of the... But how do you want us to vote when you have told our members out? Honorable Shibambu, all the members that were not logged in when we started the vote are locked out. That's of not true. They have been there. That's not true. So we have 28. If you don't give us the numbers, we take it. You are abstaining and we continue. We can't be held to ransom. We continue. If you are not going to give us your vote, you must tell us, then you must just give us the number. No more arguing, because all your arguments, you are trying to be helped, you don't want to be helped. So please tell us if you are not voting, you are abstaining. For the last time, I'm asking. And if you don't give me that, I'll take it that you have abstained. Honorable Shibambo, please speak. I'll say we're not going to participate in an unlawful and unprocedural Thank process. Thank you very much. Because Thank there must be foundation. Most of these people who we said are voting, they don't Thank even know you. what they're Thank voting for. They still had voting. Chairperson on the point of order. We are fine. Thank you very much. Can you calculate all the numbers that were given except for the abstinence of the EFF? Can we have all the numbers? No. Okay. No. Honorable members. Honorable members, even on virtual, all the, 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 the no's for this vote is zero. And we take it, the EFF on virtual and in the house, they are abstaining, which is 28 plus 2. House Chair, I'm sorry. May I uh, assist you? Because there is a rule that deals with this issue. And that's no, right. don't worry about the rules now. We are going forward. You will help, we will continue. Otherwise, we understand their rules. They are, they are really helping me. And I appreciate your help. But now let's just continue. Uh, we have 213 from all the parties voting yes. And I want to say that all the chief whips from, uh, and the whips of different parties, you can verify this thing after uh, and sign for it. For now, we are done with the first order. Thank you very much. And the order has been agreed to. And we continue.
We continue, honorable members, and then I will ask the Secretary of the House to read the second order. Consideration of recommendation of candidates to fill six vacancies on Council of Independent Communications Authority of South Africa, ICASA. I will now call on Honorable Maneli, the chairperson of the committee, to introduce the report. Thank you, uh, Honorable House Chair, Honorable Members, fellow South Africans. I'm introducing this committee report at a time when the country, like others worldwide, is dealing with the fight against COVID-19 pandemic where ICASA is still expected to play an important role as a sector regulator. Blouse Chair, we're also reporting at a time when the country has started marking and acknowledging struggles of the youth, in particular their role in challenging the status quo for the better at all material times. Particularly today, we recall the heroic role played by the late young lion Peter Mukaba who passed on on this date in 2002. May his soul continue to rest in eternal power. It is also during this historic moment that the world has observed the rampant rise in racism, which makes the project of building a non-racial society in South Africa more relevant. In terms of the committee process, the Portfolio Committee having considered the referrals from the Minister of Communications and the Acting Speaker on the 6th and 7th August 2019, declaring five vacancies in ICASA. A recruitment process ensued guided by Section 5 of the ICASA Act and a subcommittee set up by the committee constituted proportionally by political parties represented in Parliament. 20 candidates were shortlisted out of the 75 nominations received as stated in the report. Whilst the process of finalizing the subcommittee recommendations was underway, another council member resigned, creating another vacancy, making up six vacancies. Guided by the ICASA Act, the committee made its recommendations on filling all six vacancies with a full four-year term. The following candidates are thus recommended unanimously by the committee in order of priority informed by skills required, performance in the interviews, gender balance and demographics without undermining the need to balance all other important imperatives. Uh, one being Dr. Kiabetsu Mudume, two, Ms. Yolisa Kedama, three, Mr. Zolani K. Matthews, four, Peter, Mr. Peter Zimri, five, Advocate Lutando Mkumatela, six, Dr. Charles Lewis, Seven, Miss Amanda Kuba. Eight, Miss Sandisuwe Nguemane. Nine, Miss Tikele Dimushi. Ten, Mr. Ashraf Patel. Honorable House Chair, let me conclude by stating that the truth of the matter is that the report is as a result of the following observations during the process. One, even though parties could be tempted to represent their party interests, Members chose South Africans, hence sufficient consensus characterized decision-making. We did not only com comply with the law, 
but throughout the process we sought to respect the rule of law, even if it meant postponing decision-making until there's legal clarity. For this, we thank the committee support staff, the team in the parliamentary legal services, and the Office of the Institution Supporting Democracy, OIST. We took the decision recommending the filling of all six vacancies, not only for financial prudence, but more importantly for the stability and business continuity of ICASA, given the task at hand. House Chair, this report is tabled for consideration of the House with a firm belief that the political party's declarations will still be loyal to this truth. And this truth is from the lens of O.R. Tambo, of telling the truth even at the times when that truth coincides with what your enemy says at the time. With that, Honorable House Chair, I present the report for this Thank you. Honorable members, the request for declaration of vote have been received. And the process is that every member who comes here, the name is here. So for every party. I will now welcome Honorable Van Dam from the DA. Thanks, Chair. No offense. It's just difficult times. No, 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 no offense, Chairperson. Uh, Honorable Chairperson, we have a problem. We have a huge problem in that this government has made it undesirable for the best minds in our country to avail themselves to serve on boards of SOEs. You will say that the problem is because salaries are higher in the private sector. But that is not the only reason, is it? It is because they know they will be harassed, bullied, and forced to compromise their integrity by a government that wants independent boards to tow the ANC line. There are many patriotic South Africans who will gladly take up the mantle to do country duty, but they are simply unwilling to subject themselves to the mistreatment that many a good board member has had to suffer at the hands of government. It is time for the ANC to clean up its act in order to attract the best minds across industries to join in building a better future for our people. We need to attract talented mavericks, innovators, upstream swimmers, and not the dry, boring, we have always done it this way, squares and unquestioning yes men. This lack of, the lack of talent was clearly visible when we interviewed ca candidates to serve on the council. So difficult was our task that of the nine names required to provide to the minister, we could only scrape together five. I would just like to correct the chairperson here. Uh, while we did indeed work very well together and there was consensus, we made it very clear that we had issues, so it was not an, uh, unanimous. It is not to say that the names before us, Chairperson, are not apt. Some were, but apt is not what we are looking for. We are looking for the best. We are looking for real talent. So we want to make it very clear to those who will eventually be appointed to the council that it will not be an easy ride for you. You will do right for the people of South Africa and you will deliver excellence and progress. A key failure by ICASA that has been apparent as our country is in lockdown is the lack of internet access. ICASA's own report found that 93% of South Africa has smartphones with 99.73G coverage across our country. 
Now, imagine if this was coupled with affordable data. Those smartphones would not be mere communication devices, but an important tool to access an economy that has left many locked out. Affordable data would have made the fight against COVID-19 easier with digital innovations such as telehealth, which allows healthcare professionals to use technology to communicate with patients without being in the same room, using phone calls, video chats, emails, and text messages. If you look at international trends in this regard, South Africa is far behind. In the US, the UK, Finland, uh, Taiwan, and telehealth has been incorporated into the healthcare systems. Telehealth is the future, and ICASA must facilitate this process by making sure that there's affordable data. The access to internet is no longer a nice to have, but it is a necessity and one could venture a human right. It is key to survival in a digital world. The first order of business when this council takes office must be the finalization of the draft regulations on mobile broadband services. These can no longer be delayed as is the usual order of business. The anticipated auction of spectrum can also not be delayed as it is key to lowering the prices of data. The point is this, Chairperson. The COVID pandemic will mean that there are huge changes in the global economy. It is only those countries that have prioritized technology and innovation that will survive. Many countries will be left behind, including South Africa. This will deepen the unemployment and poverty crisis our country is currently facing. South Africa can emerge from this period stronger and more connected to the global society and economy. To achieve this, government should be finding new and innovative technological problems to the old problems we face. Key to this is ICASA making sure that we have access to affordable data. We, of course, want ICASA to succeed because its failure means <coughs> South Africa fails. For this reason, we will be uncompromising in our oversight. Ikasa, we're going to be on you like a bad perm. <laughs> May, thank you very much. May I plead with everybody who is on virtual platform? May I please plead with you to mute your mics? We don't want to hear those coughs and those teeth that uh, you are doing TV. We can hear that, please. And disturbing the process. Mute. Actually, even the videos should be muted. You will only switch on your video when you speak. Honorable and those are on the platform. Thank you, thank you, um, uh, Chairperson. These are indeed very confusing and difficult times. Uh, demonstrated by the vote just just happened. And we want to indicate as the economic freedom fighters that we reserve our right uh, to challenge what we think is a fundamental violation of the democratic rights of each member of the house to express themselves uh, in a vote freely and fairly. Uh, this right has been violated in this house uh, because uh, if you could force the workers of South Africa, if you could force the learners of South Africa to go back to work or to schools, why are we not opening parliament so that we are able to meet and exercise the duties in a very proper way?
So we reserve our right in that regard. The EFF confirms that indeed the report in relation to the appointment of ICASA councillors reflects the true deliberations of the portfolio committee, which prioritized deliberative democratic methods to reach decisions as opposed to majoritarianism. Nevertheless, the leadership of ICASA has increasingly had very little to do with the choices parliament gives to the executive in terms of the candidates to lead the institution. The power of the telecommunications and broadcasting monopoly still drives the agenda and key decisions of the body. Most of these decisions have shown have been slow in progress in relation to the transformation of ownership patterns on both industries. Most recently, CASA took the most reactionary decision to exempt broadcasters from complying with specific programming license conditions and content quotas during the national state of disaster to deal with COVID-19. For instance, this exception allows radio to depart from having to play local content music. It allows the television broadcasters to commission or rent content from outside the country, ignoring the local film productions. If the reasoning is that films have ceased to be produced due to COVID-19, which is a global phenomenon, then why would you think that you will get them from elsewhere unless you will be getting the outdated, repeated content which you could have as well attained from local markets? The reality is that this exemption is a lazy solution to diminished content production that gives broadcasters an escape as opposed to forcing them to first prove that there is no content locally before going anywhere in the world. Also, an option could have been given to the broadcasters to first purchase content from the continent and not simply go to the usual Euro-American white supremacist destinations. Needless to say, there are still challenges of ICASA regulations relating to online broadcasting in which ICASA forces SABC to, come to, to apply for permission whilst private broadcasters are not. To this day, many of the retaining councillors and the new ones that are being recommended have not robustly you know, transformed or challenged the mass care regulations which saw multi-choice benefit at the back of SABC audiences at no cost. We have long called for an independent commission of inquiry into the passing of these mass care regulations because we believe that the lobby groups, in particular multi-choice, possibly using money, attained this in an unfair and obviously criminal way. Finally, we put on record that majority of the candidates could also not answer a simple question, particularly the ones that are being recommended today. What is the broadcasting, with broadcasting moving online, what would be the role or even need of ICASA? How would ICASA enforce regulations since broadcasting online does not require any licenses? In essence, even this crop of new candidates we are recommending have not applied their minds into the evolution of broadcasting and the obvious conversion with telecommunications. This single fact makes the, raw, the reduction of the cost of communication even more urgent and fundamental. That data prices must Thank fall. You and much, must Thank you very much, Honourable. Thank you very much. Mema Josie, IFP. Thank you, Honourable Chairperson. In the interest of keeping time at the outset, the IFP supports this report and candidates for ICASA councillors. I wish to thank the committee secretary and members of the portfolio committee who made valuable and insightful contributions during this process of filling the ICASA vacancies during very difficult times of COVID-19. We congratulate the final nominees 
on their candidacy. It is our hope that their respective qualifications will strengthen the work of the communications regulator. Chair, while we as a committee believe that this candidate would assist in improving the regulator in terms of delivering on their core mandate of South Africans, we are hopeful that their efforts will indeed translate into real actions. We all know that ICASA is responsible for regulating the telecommunication, broadcasting, and postal services industries. But knowing this is not enough. We need to feel the impact of the work of these councillors at ICASA. As we, are as we are making a pu public financial commitment to these board members for the next four years, Chairperson, opening up spectrum, driving down data cost, fast-tracking broadband infrastructure, and ensuring a competitive and innovative transition into the fourth industrial revolution is what we need to focus on at ICASA. The role of ICASA councillors over the next four years will be tough, but we as a committee and as parliament must hold their, this body accountable so that they are acting in the best interest of South Africans. Far too many years have gone by, or should I say have been wasted at ICASA. The leadership issues and political interference must stop in order to restore the functioning of ICASA just like it was intended to serve all South Africans and, uh, and as the Communications Act intended for it. With that being said, uh, Chairperson, the job at hand will not be easy and I am hopeful that this candidate will be ready to hit the ground running. I thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Majosi. Ah, uh, It's uh, Mr. Thring will be delivering, Mr. Thring. Okay. If you can call Mr. Thring, please, Mr. Wayne Thank Thring. you. The name given was Sukers. I apologize if there's been a confusion. Mr. Thring, Honorable Thring, from uh, the ACD. Uh, thank you, Honorable Chair. Um, the ACDP welcomes the short listing of the candidates to fill the vacancies on the Council of the Independent Communications Authority of South Africa. The ICASA Council is the organization's highest decision-making body consisting of nine members. It makes regulations and policies to govern broadcasting and telecommunications in the public interest, ensuring fairness and a diversity of views and monitors the environment and enforcement compliance with rules regulations and policies. It hears and decides on the disputes and complaints by the industry, plans and manages the frequency spectrum and protects consumers from unfair business practices, poor quality services, and the harmful or inferior products. The ACDP will call on the newly appointed councillors of ICASA to deal with the internal challenges of the organization, which has a history of staffing issues. Between 2013 and 2018, ICASA dismissed 16 employees for reasons related to gross negligence, theft, misconduct, and insubordination. Three staff members were released, and two of these were dismissals related to theft, and the third was an employee dismissed because of gross negligence. According to their 2019 annual report, there were five dismissals and 10 resignations with 10 labor relations cases due to misconduct and disciplinary action. The new ICASA councillors must ensure that good governance, 
with the application of consequence management is the order of the day. The ACGP is cognizant of the importance of the appointment of these councillors, given that this year the regulator is set to hold the long-awaited auction and allocation of high demand spectrum for mobile operators after completing a temporary allocation for during the lockdown to cope with the increased demand for telecommunication services. The allocation of radio frequency spectrum will allow data service providers to cover a wider geographical area with existing uh, towers while carrying more data traffic, thereby producing the positive outcome of reduced data costs for millions of South Africans. Indeed, the ACDP reiterates, data costs must fall. In addition, as I conclude, the ICASA councillors will need to facilitate the fast tracking of the much delayed migration from analog to digital television. This migration has been looming for 15 years and South Africa missed numerous deadlines, including an international deadline to carry out the switch by 2015. It is now expected the process will be completed by 2021. And there is no doubt that there will be a number of hurdles to clear before that can happen. The ACDP Honorable Chair will continue to play its oversight role within the ICASA space. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, from the NFP, Honorable Sheikh Imam, who is in the chamber. Thank you, Honorable. Uh, first of all, uh, Honorable House Chair, I am a little bit confused. I'm confused about the fact that it appears that there's some restriction on us attending Parliament. As far as I'm concerned, Parliament is open and all members are entitled to come in to Parliament at free will. But um, would the report be off before us, House Chair, the National Freedom Party supports the recommendation as they are tabled and we are quite satisfied that this committee with political party participation by all political parties has done justice in terms of identifying uh, those suitable candidates to fill these vacancies that have arisen. Now, what is very, very important now, Chair, is this, we do know, and I think we have learned, and we have had statements being made by the executive recently, that in future people will be appointed on merit with the capacity to be able to perform their duties. And I think if this is moving in the right direction, in clear, in, indeed, we must welcome it. Now, this particular council has a very important responsibility in terms of putting together policies and things. And I think what is often in question in this country is the independence, particularly of the media and particularly its reporting. So we are hopeful that this committee will conduct itself without any fear or any favor whatsoever. The National Freedom Party has done due diligence has done some research into the candidates that have been uh, nominated by the committee or the recommendations put forward. And we are quite satisfied that these candidates are credible candidates and indeed that they will do justice to this council. The National Freedom Party supports the report and recommendations. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable uh, Sheikh Imam. Uh, AIC is cutting a circle on virtual. Babun Chaisa, IT, do you see Babun Chaisa in your list of participants? 
IT, can you assist? Do you see Babun Chaisa in your list of participants? No. Are you there? Ageko, before we get to Honorable Mulala, because those are the only names I've been given, and it's from the ANC, uh, even from home, is there any party that would want to declare and has not submitted a name? I'm opening up. Oh, Cope is there. Yes, you are allowed, Cope. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, admit me, Honorable Chair and the uh, members, to reaffirm that uh, ICASA is extremely important and its long term of absence from operation has not taken the country forward. Yes, the committee had very long discussions on the matter and, uh, of course, over a very, very long uh, period of time. And though there initially were disagreements, the legal processes were invited and we looked into that. Hence, COPE has finally risen to agree uh, that we uh, proceed with the names and uh, put them in the ICASA uh, committee. We are, however, called on the new committee to be indeed independent and ensure that all parties and all persons, whether they disagree with the um, ruling party or not, um, they are given a chance to put their position. Centralization, I want to emphasize, is not democracy. And the COPE is therefore saying, yes, we agree. But uh, let us decentralize. Let's make sure that all South Africans are given a chance, and the ICASA must indeed be an independent body. Thank you very much. We support. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, honorable uh, member of Aljama, Hendricks, Honorable Hendricks. Uh, thank you, no, Honorable House Chair. Honorable House Chair, uh, I have appeared before ICASA as a representative of a community radio station six times, and I've always been very impressed with the high standards. We're looking forward to an exciting four years with the new committee, and I would like to request him to consider democratizing the 5G. I know that the previous uh, committee uh, has um, allowed the 5G to be used. And as we know, COVID will be with us for the next two to three years. And during this time, we would like them to consider democratizing the 5G so that it doesn't go on auction and only the rich companies and those with power and influence uh, get to unleash the benefits of 5G. In this way, Honorable House Chair Al-Jamar feels that the benefits of 5G uh, will reach the poor in the country. But this auction business uh, is just another way of uh, monopoly, whether it's uh, uh, whatever monopoly you want to call it. We earnestly request that the 5G 
uh, be unleashed for the South African uh, community for the next two years. Thank you very much, and we wish the new members everything of the best. Thank you, Honorable Hendricks. Uh, any other party that I did not call out? Is there any or I pass? Thank you, Honorable Mulala of the ANC. Honorable Hendricks, mute, mute, mute. Thank you. Where is the mic? Uh, thanks, uh, Honorable House Chair. Uh, I rise on behalf of the African National Congress to welcome the Portfolio Committee and its recommendations. <clears throat> uh, I do so mindful of the strides we've made as a country and our, on our journey to a free, non-racial, non-sexist, democratic, and prosperous South Africa. The report before the House today speaks to the process of filling six vacancies in ICASA Council. This process is vital for the stability of the council and will augment its entity's capacity to carry out its mandate and serve our people. For the ANC, the most critical part of the mandate of ICASA is access and access and access. Access to communication, broadcasting and postal services to the millions of rural and urban poor. ICASA plays a vital role in ensuring that our people are not left behind in the march towards digital uh, economy. Fundamental to the success of our digital economy is the availability of high demand spectrum to expand broadband access to relab and, and reliability. As the ANC, we believe that broadband infrastructure services and accessibility of free Wi-Fi are central to this economic development. The devastation brought by COVID-19 has affirmed the analysis of the ANC that we need a developmental state working together with all our social partners and regulatory bodies. ICASA and the public broadcaster have ensured that ongoing TV and radio broadcasting in all official languages, including sign language, disseminating and COVID-19 related public service announcements are done on time. ICASA has enabled the access to data, which has been critical for communication purposes during the period of the lockdown. We commend the effort of ICASA in this regard within the sector, and we find possible way of radio frequency spectrum relief for the duration of the declared state of disaster to ease congestion and to ensure quality of broadband services and able licenses to lower cost of access to consumers particularly in relation to education, emergency, and other social services. Furthermore, to the extent that the licensee will wish to tailor packages, specifically data packages, to respond to pandemic, authority has gone further and will consider relaxation of tariff notification filing requirements to enable speedy rollout of such packages. Over and above this intervention, the subscription broadcast services Licenses have been requested to open both their audio and television uh, buckets to consumers uh, that do not subscribe to their services. They'll, this will assist the public to have access to information that they can use to be informed during this time of COVID-19. The postal service sector has been requested to advise ICASA on measures they have taken to assist the customers during this disaster period. The authority has really sought to enable the use of TV 
wide space spectrum rollout of data services, particularly in rural and remote areas, in order to ensure that rural and marginalized communities are also catered for during this period. ICASA has also called on all service providers who meet the proposed minimum certification requirements to make use of database for purpose of providing affordable and free access to data in the rural uh, communities. The reduction of data cost is an important step to improve the lives of our people and also bring people into a digital economy and stimulate online business. We have seen the spirit of innovation amongst our people that the digital economy is truly becoming a driver of growth and creator of employment. Having considered all the legalities and the support that we got from all uh, opposition parties to the additional vacancies created by the resignation of Ms. Nomonde Gonaya-Kasiop against the ICASA Act and the critical role played by ICASA, the ANC wished to support uh, this appointment. Thanks. Uh, honorable members, um, the question before the House is that the following list of candidates be submitted to the Minister for Consideration in order to fill the vacancies in the Independent Communications Authority, ICASA, I mean Authority of South Africa, ICASA Council. The names are Kiabetsu Mujimuyeng, Ms. Yolisa Kedama, Ms. Zolani Josietsi Lemethios, Mr. Piri Zimri, Advocate Lutando Mkutumela. I think there, there was a misspell here. Mkomatela, yes, that's not what I have. Uh, thank you for that. Miss Lutando Mkomatela, pardon us for misreading your name. Dr. Charles Lewis, Miss Amanda Cuba, Cuba, Amanda Cuba. No, Ninganglas, Miss Cindy Siwem, come on. Miss Dikeledi Mushi, and Mr. Ashraf. Patel, are there any objections to these names that have been uh, submitted for approval? No objections agreed to. Thank you very much. The list of candidates will be forwarded to the Minister of Communications for considerations. Thank you very much. I will now ask the secretary to read the third order as I hand over to my uh, colleague, House Chairperson Dombela, on virtual.
Consideration of report of Portfolio Committee on Social Development on Social Assistance Amendment Bill. Chen Tombella, I recognize you. Uh, as the Honorable Gugubele will be coming in. Oh, not yet. Oh, so, so. Is Honorable Tombella on the line? Honorable Chair. Thank you very much. You can continue on. I can't, I can't hear you. The order Honorable Chair. Uh, thank you. Can I come in? Yes, we can hear you. Please continue. On order number three. You're already ready. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I now recognize the Honorable Chief Whip of the Majority Party from the Chamber. Chief Whip. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable uh, House Chair. House Chair, I move uh, that the House adopt this report. Thank you very much. The motion is that the report be adopted. Are there any objections? There seems to be no objections. The report is agreed to. Thank you very much. We move to the fourth order. The secretary will read the fourth order. Second reading, social assistance amendment bill. Thank you. I now recognize the honorable M. Kungubela, who is in the chamber. to table the social bill uh, social assistance amendment bill which is an attempt to respond to the crisis of Grant being that major response to that. And I know when I say the following, I'll be speaking on behalf of the committee, that our concern, the biggest one of all, is efficient running of the system, but key, a healthy balance between developmental intervention versus the grant system. It is our view as the committee that a lot of resources needs to go to the developmental aspect of this, of this actual exercise. But the bills seeks to address the following, that under the existing Child's, uh, Children's Amendment Act, 
before kids access the grant on foster care, the court order needs to be granted. There is also need for renewal, which takes place within two years. The combination of that has actually overloaded the system. The, uh, the, ch the Children's Amendment Bill at some stage was declared illegal by the court, which has been given a series of extensions, the last one being November this year. But in that, in the, in the instance or during that period, social, um, social Assistance Amendment Bill, whilst we are amending the Children's Amendment Act, seeks to intervene where it can. There are three areas where it is intervening, for instance. Is that uh, the Children's Act be actually organized to can be accessed by the same candidates for foster care. That is the first amendment. And the second one is to ensure that it has taken, a, it, 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 it's actually required that if an applicant has submitted an application and SASA is not in agreement, there's a period of 90 days appeal back to SASA and another 90 days later to the higher institution. This bill seeks to actually fast track that. And lastly, an inspectorate is another amendment which seeks to actually facilitate that whilst we are trying to amend the Children's Amendment Bill, this amendment on the Social Assistance Amendment actually relieve those areas where it can relieve. And the, the amendments were actually supported unanimously in the committee, so I table accordingly. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. The chairperson must unmute. Am I audible? Now you ask. Thank you very much. Uh, requests for declarations of vote have been received. I will now allow one member of each political party wishing to make a declaration an opportunity to do so. DA, Honorable Masango. Thank you, Honorable Chair. The foster care crisis first garnered widespread attention in 2011 when the Minister and Department of Social Development were taken to court by the Center for Child Law. Over the 120 foster care grants that had lapsed, and stopped being paid, and a further 300,000 that were at risk of lapsing. Since then, the North Houting High Court, for the sake of children who are in the foster care system, had to extend these expired foster care orders to allow continued payment of grants. 
Honorable Chairperson, the failure of successive ministers of social development in the department over the past decade to develop a comprehensive legal solution to deal with the foster care crisis has resulted in the North Houteng High Court having to extend the 2011 court order three times in 2014, 2017, and 2019, respectively. The 2017 and 2019 court order made it clear that the delay by the minister to develop a comprehensive legal solution is unconstitutional because of the resultant violation of children's rights. The Democratic Alliance supports the Social Assistance Amendment Bill. We trust that it will bring about some relief to the child protection system. It will also ensure that deserving children receive their grants without interruption and free social workers and magistrates who have been bogged down by the ongoing backlogs to do equally important preventative and protective work in the child protection system. The bill empowers the minister to provide a top up to the child support grant for categories of children in need. This will enable a top up for relatives caring for orphaned children. This is the first part of the comprehensive legal solution. Once the bill is passed, the NCOP we, by the NCOP rather, we call on the department to act efficiently finalize the regulations to enable the top up to be in place before the high court order expires. Otherwise, a fourth extension of this high court order is going to be requ required. The DA also hopes that this bill, through this bill, the department dependence on the courts to fix its problems can be broken once and for all. Our social workers are a scarce resource which should be used strategically. We have at the moment no less than 4,000 of these social workers who were trained by government and are sitting at home while the sector needs them so desperately. We again call on all departments to absorb these social workers in fighting COVID-19 and beyond. Honorable Chair, we consider this amendment bill at a time when the vulnerability levels of children in this country is at its highest. Given the ever increasing statistics of child hunger, severe acute malnutrition, and a shocking 27% stunting that has remained static for the, first, for the last two decades. Now more than ever, we need the department to do everything in its power to support the vulnerable children and their families. We therefore hope that the minister and the acting director general will make decisions that are in the best interest of all children in South Africa. Thank you. Thank you, honorable member. Uh, the next person is Honorable Gwenya from the Visual Platform, from the EFF. Honorable Gwenya. I'm actually in the house, Chair. Thank you very much. Um, oh, you're in the house? Yes, I am. Okay. Honorable okay, Honorable Member, can continue. The economic freedom is not in opposition to the broad aspects of this bill. We support the amendment of the Social Assistance Act 
to provide top-ups for the recipients of child support grant and the foster care grant. This intervention is particularly important for child-headed households and social relief of distress during a disaster. It is particularly important that the bill must come into effect during this time. When many vulnerable groups in society are under a lot of strain due to COVID-19, up to this day, the Department of Social Development has no clue about the real circumstances under which child-headed households are doing and are going through during this time. And we have no comprehensive database for all the households headed only by children. The bill should have gone further though and made the administrative requirements less of a burden to children who have lost both parents. No, for a fact that most children in South Africa do not know where their fathers are and the only parent they know is the mother. The requirement to have children providing details for their fathers is an unnecessary and painful administrative burden for those children who must not only deal with the absence or the loss of the mother, but also be reminded about their fatherlessness. We support the provision for the establishment of an independent tribunal to consider appeals against made by the agency, which is SASA. Oftentimes, the decisions made by SASA are politicized and it is used as a vehicle to abuse poor people and beat them up using their vulnerability to submission and into thinking that their continued access to these social relief measures is dependent on their continued voting for the ruling party. The presence of this independent tribunal will help reduce this vulnerability and we are fully in support of it. The amended bill also makes provision for establishing the inspectorate as a component. We are fully in support of this provision. However, it must be noted that the amendments made on this bill do not deal or assist in the reduction of the backlog within the foster care. The budget created for 2019-2020 financial year is not enough, considering the number of children in extreme socioeconomic conditions. According to the statistics of 2015, there are 55,000 child-headed households. Over 70% of these child-headed families are accounted for in poverty. It is fair and wise to treat these statistics with caution, as little effort has been done conducting these kind of surveys. So we do support the legislative intervention proposed in the bill, but urge the department to beef up its administrative capacity to be able to reach each and every vulnerable South African child in need of their assistance. I thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chairperson. 
Honourable House Chairperson, the amendment bill before us was necessitated due to a foster crisis caused by the inaction of the former Minister of Social Development, Mrs. Patablila Tlamini. This, while we all shoulder the constitutional responsibility to ensure that every child has basic rights of realizing of the child at all times. The social assistance amendment Currently, there's a huge monetary discrepancy between the, the child support grant and the foster care grant, which makes the foster care grant a more viable option. We therefore welcome the amendments that empowers the Minister of Social Development to make additional money available to the child support grant after consultation with the Minister of Finance. This provision could substantially alleviate the current pressure and crisis in the foster care. There are currently hundreds and thousands of children in foster care. This reality had put immense pressure on the courts and social workers reviewing these cases, leading to the lapsing of a vast number of these foster care orders. Over 90% of foster care grants go to children in the care of their relatives. The proposed top-up to the child support grant, a grant with a very simple application process, is hoped to effectively reach millions of vulnerable children, but especially those living with their relatives, which could alleviate the current crisis in the system. During deliberations on the bill, the IFP strongly urged that the appointment of members to a tribunal to consider appeals in TASA cannot be the sole discretion of the Minister of Social Development to avoid political interference. Considering that SASA emerged from a crisis was solely due to the rogue actions of its former minister, it was critical that we needed to strengthen Parliament's oversight role. The IFP is pleased that our concerns were heard and that version B of this bill now provides that the minister must, and I quote, after consultation with Parliament, unquote, appoint an independent tribunal. Lastly, Honourable House Chairperson, COVID-19 and disaster lockdown regulations implemented by our government has deprived many vulnerable children from their only meal a day at school. Vulnerable children have been placed at risk of malnutrition and further risk of abuse. In months to come, vulnerable children will be at greater risk as unemployment and poverty rises. To that end, the IFP appeals once more to our government to ensure that the 5,000 social workers it has trained are employed and deployed to communities where children are most in need of our help. I wish to thank our committee staff and all MPs who serve on this committee, as well as the leadership and guidance of our chairperson. The IFP supports this report and this amendment bill. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Member. Uh, from the Freedom Front Plus, Honorable Briette will speak from the virtual platform. Honorable Briette. Thank you, Chairperson. I hope everybody can hear me. Chairperson, this bill, as with most legislation and programs as government enacts and plans, has the best of motives and they sound noble for the betterment of South Africa as a whole. But if we take a closer look, however, we will see that it is a carefully constructed plan to keep the dependent forever dependent. We also see that once legislation exists, the implementation thereof is more times than not the real problem with these, with these bills. The bill has many positives, Chair, but it also has a number of concerns. An independent tribunal is a step in the right direction, and it is welcoming that the, the department agreed to the amendment as proposed by the Portfolio Committee 
that the independent tribunal will be appointed after consultation with Parliament. This builds in oversight, but this is still not enough. When South Africans' livelihoods are at stake, it is important to be as transparent as possible. As the department, and especially SASA, has been hampered by corruption and people trying to use the system for their own self-enrichment, an independent inspectorate is most probably the only way to go. This should, however, not again be at the ever-increasing expense of the South African taxpayer. Furthermore, Chair, it is troubling that the Minister, with the concurrence of the Minister of Finance, may determine additional payments linked to the grants. This is yet again proof that the state, following an animal farm, the book by George Orwell type motto, all are equal, only some are more equal than others. This does not create equal opportunities for all, but rather opportunities to a select few. Creating further inequality will not address the problem of a severely unequal society. We cannot write laws, Chairperson, because of a current incumbent. We also cannot rely on knights in shining armor. We need to be realistic. We need to be realistic that even though a bill very nobly provides for Treasury through means of the Minister of Finance to have a say whether there is money or not, South Africa cannot handle an additional burden that this bill will affect. My last remark, but also... <laughs> My worry is the social relief of distress grant. As we've seen during COVID-19, such relief is of the utmost necessity. The trouble with these payouts, however, um, and, the, and these, these current payouts is unacceptable. And we are a very long way from success during a disaster such as this. And this needs to be addressed. In conclusion, Trey, the reality is do not have the means to give the goal envisaged in this legislation even how noble. We need to prioritize job creation and economic growth, but the Freedom Front Plus will support this bill. I thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Priet. From the SCDP, have Ms. Honorable Sukers from the Visual Platform. Honorable Sukers, you're welcome. Thank you, House Chair. The ACDP supports the Social Assistance Amendment Bill as it will extend support to the most vulnerable children in our communities and address the impact of a prolonged delay by the Department of Social Services on finding a legal solution for the foster care backlog. It is sad that it took almost eight years for this bill to be brought before Parliament. In supporting the bill, the ACDP wished to note the critical need for us to shift our thinking and application of social support assistance programs. The COVID-19 pandemic will definitely result in a massive increase in the number of people who will become reliant in this, on the state. There is a critical need for the department to increase its efficiency in fulfilling its mandate of providing protection against poverty and protecting the vulnerable in order to widen its partnership with communities and the private sector. The ACDB believes that it would benefit government over the long term to couple child support grants of which the recipient's parents, guardians, are able-bodied persons with skills development programs and employment opportunities such as the EWP program. We have to move people from state reliance 
self-reliance in the long-term care. This is an avenue that would assist people in acquiring skills that could well result in them finding permanent employment and thus reduce their reliance on the state. It is time for the state to partner with community-based organizations who can assist government by training up able-bodied persons currently reliant on the state to care for children and the aged in our communities. The strategic objective of the department to increase its capacity and responsiveness in fulfilling its mandate is critical to ensure all sectors of society work in partnership with one another to address the needs of the poor and the vulnerable. While the ACDP with others expect the number of dependents on the state to, to rise due to the impact of COVID-19, we also see the opportunities and initiatives that can assist to reduce these numbers significantly and move our people to self-reliance. It is critical for South Africa to, to develop those who currently receive state assistance as it will improve their overall well-being and in future could play a significant role in increasing our econ economic outputs. Lastly, Chair, it is important for us to link the services in our support programs. Children receiving grants should be in school and should be attending after-school programs, such as the Isibindi programs and our food programs. In doing so, we will improve the well-being and Thank care. you very much, Honorable Member. Thank you. On Halakas Egmudat, not the end of prime. Sorry. Thank you very much. Uh, we now go to the NFP, Honorable Sheikh Imam from the Chamber. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. The National Freedom Party supports the amendment as tabled here today. We are quite satisfied all due processes has been com completed, that the public hearings were held, and indeed there were submissions made by different organizations. Now, Honorable House Chair, uh, it is clear that we have been caught wanting, particularly with the pandemic before us. And I think one of the reasons for that is, and I don't think there's a single municipality or ward in the length and breadth of this country that has a proper database of all the people who live in that particular ward. And that's what we at the National Freedom Party want to encourage. So that when you come to a situation and a crisis like we are faced here, where government has to uh, 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 provide social relief and assistance and things. You have a database of all the people who live there, who get social assistance, who are employed, who are unemployed, the number of disabled people. Now the other problem that we find more often than not, and that's the norm today, while social grants are being provided, and this is a great initiative in delaying any payments, particularly to those vulnerable, uh, children, and I want to emphasize, it is not only absent mothers today, it is also absent uh, fathers and mothers. More often than not, children are living with grandparents or relatives or with outsiders. So we must be cognizant of that. But what is very important, Chair, is this, that there is no process to monitor that indeed that that social assistance and relief you're providing is actually reaching those children that those children indeed are going to school and doing justice. There used to be a process where that used to be monitored and that is no longer taking place. So we want to urge the department in supporting this 
look at these challenges that we have and close the gap so that ultimately the intended purpose here, which is those children will indeed uh, uh, benefit from it appropriately. The National Freedom Party supports the amended table here today. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Imam. AIC, Honorable Jaisa, speaking from the virtual platform. Honorable Jaisa. Honorable Jaisa. Thank you very much. We will proceed. Honorable Madisha will be speaking from the chamber. Honorable Madisha, welcome. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair and members. The latest figures from State South Africa put unemployment among black uh, people at 34.2% in the ages 25 to 34 and 55.2% in the ages 15 to 24. However, Chair, want to emphasize that in my own opinion, there can't be any empirical evidence in so far as this whole thing is concerned. That I say because, like I cited, I think last year, when you go out to assess the people who are faced with unemployment, who are faced with this uh, horrendous problems that the people of South Africa are faced with, uh, the people who are counted, it will be a thousand or a, about two thousand with uh, people uh, going to uh, urban areas, etc. But in the deep, deep rural areas where some of us come from, the people are not checked. Now, that's why I'm saying, in my own opinion, we need to check, you know, a proper empirical evidence to uh, fix this particular uh, situation. Now, to describe this situation as explosive is to state the obvious. When people have no incomes, they must rely on those who do, however meager, or take uh, to the streets. Now, despite redistribution, which in itself is not proper, the social grant system has failed to generate upliftment from destitution. The new mandate of the Social Development Department is, quote unquote, to provide social uh, protection uh, services and lead government efforts to forge uh, partnerships through which vulnerable individuals, groups, and communities become capable and self-reliant a participant in their own development, of course, unquote. Now, the social development blunders have cost the taxpayers lots and lots of money. Numerous failures on the other side, again, have left families running around. And uh, we all must say, that I acknowledge that even our people in the queues, you have seen will collapse, will die, etc. That has got to be looked into by this uh, parliament. COPE supports 
the amendment, but hope that government will not fail the elderly people, the poor, and the all Honorable Matisha, the time the is up, sir. Thank you very much. 350 rand is not enough. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Matisha. Is there any other party wishing to make a declaration? Thank you very much. ANC. We now allow the ANC. Honorable Member. Honorable Member. Thank you. I'm now, I'm now calling the ANC. Is there the a party wishing to make a declaration? Uh, yes, Honorable Chair Al Jamal. You're welcome, sir. Thank You're you, welcome. Honorable Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Honorable Chair, we know many fathers and mothers don't make the cut to be parents. Former President uh, Nelson Mandela made a revolutionary start with health care provision for kids. But that, it seems, is where the revolution stopped. We need every child to be guaranteed a living care grant. Al Jamaa calls it a, a guaranteed a living care grant in addition to the health care President Mandela gave to children. It is a plot in the democratic free South Africa if there is malnutrition among children. It is already a plot that the African child lives in sewerage, uh, plays in sewerage, learns in sewerage, and even eats in sewerage. This, however, is a good start and we support it, but it is not revolutionary enough, Honorable Chair. South African children must get the best care of all children in the world. And this will be a real revolutionary step to kill the inequalities in South Africa. Honorable Chair, our children want to breathe. Don't leave it to Treasury. Parliament must just be bold enough and make the decision. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. In the absence of any other party, I will continue. ANC, Honorable Mutau will be speaking from the chamber. Honorable Mutau. Honorable Mutau will be speaking from the chamber. Thank you, Hauze. The ANC rises in support of the Social Assistant Amendment B. Honorable members, the Social Assistant Amendment B is not only tabled for adoption during Youth Month, but tabled at the hills of the Child Protection Week. Last week, Saturday, on the 30th of May, 2020, Minister Zul, Minister Zulu launched child protection. Minister Zulu launched child protection week in Rustenburg, Northwest Province. The annual child protection week is a national campaign initiated by the department and civil society organizations to mobilize society to play their part in building and caring society that protect and promotes the rights of children. And in part is the essence of the amendment in South in the Social Assistance Bill. 
the bill firstly deals with the rolling out of the inspectorate faster and timelessly and focus on investigations and manage the fraud in Sasa. Secondly, it provides a top up for children looked after by their family members and reduce the burden on the foster care grant system as well as the adoption system. It is the first comprehensive legal solution that addresses the backlog in the foster care grant system. The substantive amendments relate firstly to the Minister of Social Development with the concurrence of the Minister of Finance make available additional payments to social grants based on a certain criteria. Secondly, removes the reconsideration requirement from SASA so that grant application can go directly to appeals tribunal as it shortens the process. And thirdly, changes the inspectorate organizational structures from being a government department to a component. The ANC thanks the public for commenting on this amendment, which contributed to the engagement which we had in the committee. The public contribution provoked our thoughts and contributed to sharing the quality of our engagement, which were robust in the committee. The committee had robust discussion on clause five, which amends section 13 of the Social Assistance Act, which deals with the social relief of distress. The main concern raised in the committee was on the clarification of timeframes on the disbandment of the social relief of distress to those that are affected by disasters according to the Disaster Management Act. This was clarified as the primary aim of the clause five is for harmonization. Social relief of distress is not only disasters, but of other forms of distress that households experience. Clause seven, which amends section eight of the Social Assistance Act, which deals with the appeal against decision of agents. The main concern raised in the committee was on who appoints, conducts oversight over the agents. This was raised in the context that the committee is the oversight authority over department and SASA. The committee agreed harmoniously that the minister after consulting parliament appoints an independent tribunal. And clause eight, which amends section 24 of the Social Assistance Act, which deals with the imperatorate for social assistance. The main concerns were on the final responsibility or supervision of the minister over the inspectorate and the independence of the inspectory. It was our consent indeed in the committee. This was clarified. The minister has the responsibility for the inspectorate proper functioning, but no one should interfere in its functioning. A case in point is the relationship between the minister of justice, exercises entire responsibilities 
for the Justice Department, but does not interfere in the daily functions of the National Prosecuting Authority. Honorable members, this amendment will ensure that social assistance system caters for kinship care. It will reduce increased backlog on the foster care grant system. Therefore, contributing to alleviating extreme levels of poverty, it will in part will enable better social security provision for our children. It will create security for children that are raised by their own extended families. It will enable the country to advance the best interests of the child or children, which is paramount importance as enjoined by section 29 of the Constitution of Republic of South Africa, as well as ensure that we advance section 27 on the Constitution, ensure everyone has a right to social security, appropriate social assistance. The ANC support the social assistance amendment be the age of 2018. I thank you, Chair. Are there any objections to the bill being read a second time, honorable members? No objections, report agreed to. The secretary will read the bill a second time. Social Assistance Amendment B. Well read. Well read. The bill will be sent to the National Council of Provinces for concurrence. We now have the fifth order. The secretary will read the fifth order. Consideration of report of the Committee on Justice and Contracting Services on Prescription in Civil and Criminal Matters, Sexual Offenses, Amendment B. Thank you. I now recognize the Honorable the Chief Whip of the Majority Party from the Chamber. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair. Honorable House Chair, I move that uh, the report be adopted by this House. Thank you very much, Chair. Good. The motion is that the report be adopted. Are there any objections? No objections. Report agreed to. We are the sixth order. The secretary will read the sixth order. Prescription in civil and criminal matters, sexual offenses, amendment B. Yep. I now recognize the Honorable H. Mohammed from the chamber. Thank you very much, House Chairperson. The Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, having considered the prescription in civil and criminal matters amendment bill, referred to it and classified as a Section 75 bill, uh, reports with amendments. Uh, the committee further reports that on the 14th of June 2018, the Constitutional Court 
in the Levenstein matter declared that Section 18 of the Criminal Procedure Act 1977 is inconsistent with the Constitution insofar as it bars the right to institute prosecution for all sexual offenses after 20 years has lapsed from when the offense was committed uh, by the Section 18F HNI of the Act. The Constitutional Court gave Parliament, this Parliament, 24 months to enact remedial legislation that is before the 14th of June 2020. And on the 27th of November last year, the bill was tabled and referred to the committee proposing amendments to Section 18 of the Criminal Procedure Act and Sections 12 and 13 of the Prescription Act. In response to the call for public comment, we held uh, public hearings on the 4th of March here at Parliament, and several of the submissions express the concern that the retrospective declaration of constitutional invalidity of Section 18 of the Criminal Procedure Act to 27th of April 1994 meant that the 20-year restriction would still be applicable in respect of certain sexual offenses committed before the 27th of April 1994. The committee is of the view that Section 18, with specific reference to the right to institute a prosecution, once amended, will also apply to the right to institute a prosecution in respect of the category of offences which were committed before the 27th of April 1994 and which were excluded from the ambit of Section 18 of the Criminal Procedure Act. With regard to the concerns that were raised with regard to retrospectability of application of Section 12.4 of the Prescription Act, the committee is of the view that these may be misplaced because only the restriction that applies in terms of Section 12.4 of the Prescription Act, which deals with when the prescription begins to run, is that the proceedings should be instituted with a with specific period, within a specific period after a person has recovered from certain impediments. In other words, Section 12.4 does not apply retrospectively. The committee is of the view reference to 27th of April 1994. I'll say in conclusion, many of the submissions proposed to remove the start of the civil prescription altogether in respect of all sexual offenses. The committee, however, is of the view that such an amendment is of a substantive nature, nature and should be carefully considered, amongst other, with specific reference to the horizontal application of fundamental rights. The report is submitted to a person for adoption. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Member. Requests for declarations of vote have been received. I'll now allow one member from each political party wishing to make a declaration an opportunity to do so. From the DA, Honorable, Ho Honorable Horn, on the visual platform. Honorable Horn. Thank you, House Chair. The Democratic Alliance supports this bill, as stated in the report of the Portfolio Committee on the Bill, as introduced by the Honourable Mohammed here today. The aim of the bill is to give effect to the judgment of the High Court, as confirmed by the Constitutional Court, in the well-publicised case of Levenstein versus Estate Frankel. In essence, the Constitutional Court stated that the primary rationale behind the differentiation between sexual offences in Section 18 of the Criminal Procedure Act seem to be based on the belief that certain sexual offences are more serious than others. The court found this to be irrational, stating that the use of prescriptive periods in Section 18 as a basis to distinguish between rape or compelled rape and other forms of sexual assault 
when they harm the, the, the harm they cause to survivors is similar is irrational. The court also held that by overemphasizing the significance of the nature of the criminal act at the expense of the harm that it produces to survivors, Section 18 failed to serve as a tool to protect and advance the interests of survivors of sexual assault because Section 18 precluded some survivors of sexual offenses from access to criminal legal recourse while protecting others. Now, Chair Pro Professor Liz Kelly, in a seminal book, Surviving Sexual Violence, published in the early 1990s, convincingly pointed out that sexual violence is best viewed on a continuum, not in a hierarchy, and that sexual assault and rape are, are apples of the same theoretical tree of gender-based violence. She also wrote that the physiological impact is not necessarily correlated with the type of harm a survivor experiences. As she put it, with the important exception of sexual violence which results in death, the degree of impact cannot be simplistically inferred from the form of sexual violence. There are no standard victimhood traits based on the type of harm experience. This bill, therefore, is a good bill. Though the court properly removed an arbitrary distinction and in the process also enabled victims to not only seek criminal justice, but also civil compensation. The net effect, however, is that we going forward could grapple with the potential result of a further expansion in custodial sentences imposed on offenders. Allowing more survivors of sexual violence to exercise their rights has the potential to increase the number of people incarcerated. Overcrowding is unfortunately one of the hallmarks of our correctional system and it will be for years to come. We live in a time where we as a nation feel a justified sense of outrage in respect of the senseless violence women and children are being subjected to in this country. One of the consequences is a hardened and emotional stance that stricter laws, tougher bail protocols and harsher sentences is the only and best approach through which the scourge of gender-based violence is to be reined in. However, it is also without a doubt the case that due to overcrowding and the inability of the correctional services to deliver on its rehabilitation mandate, incarceration will not address the root of the problem and may cause a further cycle of violence, including sexual violence in correctional centers against those convicted. Increasing in the process the likelihood of those offenders repeating the violence when they are reintroduced into society. As a country, we ought to also therefore seriously consider a rehabilitative remedy that could heal harmed parties and educate and reform abusive parties about power, power relations, and how to relinquish and balance power in order to prevent future sexual violence. In this regard, Chair, it's really shameful that the process agreed to by the Presidential Summit on Gender-Based Violence in November 2018 already has have seemingly stalled this year. As we speak, the Interim Steering Committee has been dissolved more than a month ago. In March 2019, it was agreed that by May, that by May this year, a gender-based violence and femicide council would have been in place to steer, coordinate and drive the development of an integrated approach to cut out radiate and cure the cancer that is gender-based violence and femicide in South Africa. But this council, Jay, is nowhere to be seen. It must be set up immediately. Thank you.
Honorable Rose is the next speaker. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. On the 14th of June 2018, the South African uh, Constitutional Court issued an anonymous judgment confirming that there will be there will be no more limits in which to constitute a criminal prosecution for any sexual offence in South Africa, regardless of how long it was committed or whether the survivor was a child or an adult. Accordingly, this bill seeks to enact this into our law with the necessary amendments to realize this ruling. Sexual offenses, particularly rape, are central to the disruption of people's lives long after they were committed against them. There's no measure in the psychological effects of rape and other sexual offenses on victims of any age or gender. This is indeed a progressive law and amendment which we must all welcome. Nevertheless, over the years, we have seen how it is not so much in how the progressive or how progressive our laws are, but whether the institutions charged with giving them material manifestation are working or not. What is good, what good is such a law if the prosecution authorities will not be able to pursue cases if indeed victims of rape and sexual offenses open cases in police stations tomorrow? What good is in such a law if when victims arrive in the police station or any police station today, they will be either laughed at if they are men claiming to have been raped when they were boys by priests or any morally degenerate name? What good is such a law if a gogo walks into a police station to lay a charge against her bar who abused her over 20 years ago if white privilege will protect such a white man from full prosecution? Such amendments are indeed futile in a society that does not respect from its everyday cultural practices the sexual dignity of children and women in general. If young boys are being raped in prisons today, it must be seen as done under the custodianship and the watch of the state. The state must be held accountable and seen as abetting crimes against humanity. How can a state where young boys are raped daily in its prisons ever guarantee that it will investigate a rape and, uh, and, and, and properly prosecute a rape that comes from 20 years ago. We must welcome the bill, but note that rapists, pedophiles, and sexual offense perpetrators are really not scared of the law because institutions charged with it, like the police and the APA, never bite when it comes to sexual offenses. I thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Ndozi. Honorable uh, Simanga from the IFP is on the visual platform. Honorable Chairperson. Honorable Member. Honorable Chairperson, this is Honorable Singh. Uh, Honorable Fundamerva will replace him. He's having some connectivity problems. Okay, okay. And for the next Thank one, you, one as well. Okay, Honorable Singh. Honorable Fanab Merve, you can take over. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chairperson. Honorable House Chairperson, sexual offences remain amongst the highest and most grievous offences committed in South Africa, with a staggering 50% of South African women estimated to have been victims of sexual violence during their lifetimes. Only 35.5% of these sexual offences have been reported to the South African Police Services, and the conviction rate is even much lower. 
The amendment bill before us aims to address the constitutional in inconsistency as raised by the Constitutional Court in the Levenstein matter, whereby Section 18 of the Criminal Procedure Act was declared unconstitutional as regards to prescription, in that it did not make allowance for the right to institute prosecution for all sexual offences after a lapse of 20 years, but rather only certain offences as listed in Section 18F, H and I. The bill corrects this inconsistency and the IFP supports this. Chairperson, the horrific number of cases of sexual offences and violence in our country speaks to a greater societal crisis that cannot be corrected at a judicial level. Whilst our laws must be stringent and enforced in this regard, society must also play its role in reversing and eradicating the scourge of sexual violence from our communities. Let this be a part of the clarion call to action to unite once more to reduce all levels of sexual offenses and violence in South Africa. Chairperson, before, it's now nine months since President Ramaphosa and his government announced an emergency plan to fight gender-based violence. Yet, nothing much has changed. There's still no council to fight gender-based violence. NGOs have not received any of the 50 million that has been promised to them. Shelters still go underfunded. We still don't employ enough social workers. The GBV command center is ineffective and doesn't have effective referral pathways. And we still spend about 350 Rand on a perpetrator of violence in jail, while we only spend about 50 Rand on a woman and child in a shelter. So while this amendment bill is a step in the right direction, it is really time for us to move beyond empty rhetoric in our fight against gender-based violence and start saving lives. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. Honorable F.J. Melder, the Freedom Front Pass. Thank you, uh, Honorable House Chair. Thank, thank you, Honorable House Chair. Um, it is undeniable that South Africa is in the midst of a sexual offences epidemic. The recent national crime statistics reflects that 52,420 sexual offences occurred in 2019, which is a 4,6% increase since 2018. Being a survivor of a sexual offence is undoubtedly difficult, and to make, make things worse, the inadequacies of our legal system certainly add to insult to injury. Should our law not be more proactive than reactive, especially concerning crimes of this nature, which to a great extent affect our women and children. It is important to note that an amendment to the statutory provisions relating to the prescription of civil claims and criminal prosecutions arising out of sexual offenses does not cure the disease of violence against women and children, but rather treats its symptoms by ensuring that survivors have an opportunity to appropriately be compensated and that offenders can still be prosecuted despite lengthy lapses in time. It provides protection to children who have been victims of any sexual offence by allowing them to come forward many years after the offence took place. This bill is a step in the right direction, but it's unfortunately a re reactive in nature. Chair, the time has come for South Africa to come up with proactive solutions and legislative frameworks which deals with the root cause of violence against women and children. Die parlement en sy komitee sal indringend met ondersoek instel na die werkelijke kernoorsake van geweld teen vroue en kinders en werkbare oplossings, proaktieve oplossings implementeer. Dankie voorzitter.
Mm. Honorable Swartz will be speaking from the chamber, from the SADP. Honorable Swartz. Thank you, House Chair. House Chair, the ACDP shares the public outrage at the high levels of sexual abuse in society. The question is, what about the situation where a child who has been abused by a family member, an uncle, or even a father may well know that the abuse is a bad thing, that it causes shame and hurt, but she may have no idea of the role that the abuse plays in problems she ha might have with school, with peers, relationships, employment, substance abuse, intimacy issues, depression. Often it is only as an adult that she discovers the true impact of the abuse when she seeks help later in life from mental health professionals, such as when facing a crisis, such as divorce, retrenchment, and then is forced to face up the issues which have affected her whole life. Now, during the period between 1970 and 1989, the children that became known as a group called the Frankel Eight, they were aged six and 15 years old. And Sidney Frankel is alleged to have sexually assaulted them. As a result of the sexual assaults, they suffered physical, emotional, and psychological trauma. Now we know abuse cases are often shrouded in secrecy and victims may only consider legal action many years after the effect. The crime of rape does not prescribe, but until recently the sexual abuse other than rape or compelled rape prescribed after 20 years. The effect of the 20 year prescription period imposed by section 18 for all sexual offenses other than rape or compelled rape meant that the right to prosecute Mr. Frankel for sexual assaults he allegedly perpetrated against the group, the, the Frankel Eight, prescribed between 1998 and 2011, as did their right to claim civil damages. And this, as other speakers have indicated, was remedied in the Levenstein versus State Frankel Constitutional Court matter, which has resulted in this bill today, which the ACDP supports. And I think it's important for us to reflect on what the court had to say. The court indicated at paragraph 56 that of pivotal importance to the case before the court is that the systemic sexual exploitation of women and children depends on secrecy, fear, and shame. Too often, survivors are stifled by fear of their abusers and the possible responses from their communities if they disclose they have been sexually assaulted. And the evidence before the court consistently showed that one in three rape survivors seeks assistance from formal social systems. The court said, it is clear from the preceding analysis that there's no rational basis for the right to prosecute to lapse after 20 years. And that resulted in the constitutional court decision and the bill and the ACDP would like to welcome and support this bill. And in doing so, we recognize the role that the Frankel Eight has played in seeking justice, not only for themselves, but for all children, as well as survivors, women of sexual abuse. Through their brave stand, they've changed the landscape for all survivors of historical sexual abuse. And for that, we thank you and salute you. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Swartz. Uh, the next. Honorable speaking from the chamber. Honorable Imam. Thank you, Honorable House Chair.
The National Freedom Party welcomes the amendment tabled here today. Indeed, I think it will go a long way in providing added protection but support to those victims of sexual abuse that may have taken place many, many years ago. Previously, there's been restriction, and as a result, many of these perpetrators have been getting away with it. Now, whilst this will go a long way with dealing with the perpetrators, Honorable Chairperson, it clearly is not enough in terms of protecting the rights of our women and children. Now, the question, and the National Freedom Party has a different view in terms of this. What I think we need to address is the root causes of the high levels of sexual abuse against women and children in South Africa. It is common knowledge, and the statistics speaks loud, uh, that most sexual offenses are committed by those closest or known to the victims. Now, what are the root causes of it? And we can come out here, Honorable Chairperson, and find all kinds of ways of trying to deal with the perpetrators. But shouldn't we rather concentrate on trying to prevent the abuse of our women and children? Now, the abuse of women and children in South Africa and gender-based violence is rife. There is no doubt about it. But some of the causes of it is, number one, we know the challenges of alcohol, and yet we support the sale of alcohol. We know the challenges we face, particularly in the socioeconomic conditions, the poor housing, the high unemployment rate, the, the, the lack of water and sanitation and things, but we do very little or nothing about this. We are not willing to address the root causes of it, and as long as we don't deal with the root causes, Honorable Chairperson, our people are going to continuously be at the mercy of these perpetrators of violence against women and children. In fact, it's a norm not only in, 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 in high-profile people, that in order, you, we've heard about the case of sex for jobs. If you want a job, you give me sex. If you don't give me sex, you can't get the job. If you don't maintain giving me sex after you get the job, I will fire you. So these are the kind of things that we are responsible for in this country and very little or nothing is being done about it. So while this amendment will go a long way in providing some kind of, of reassurance and protection opportunity, but we need to equally, House Chair, deal with the perpetrators of this violence in a more appropriate manner. The National Freedom Party supports the amendment tabled here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Imam. From the, I, from the AIC, Honorable Njaisa, speaking from the visual platform. Honorable Njaisa, are you around? Honorable Chaisa is still not there. Are there any other parties wishing to make declarations? Honorable members? Are there any other parties wishing to declare? Honorable Hendrik Shabal Jama. Hendricks, you on the platform, sir. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Al-Jama hopes that the amendment is not all about thunder and no lightning. Al-Jama agree with, with other honorable members that sex and violence must be broader and include any form of gender-based violence. Only then will women, will women will feel that something real is being done and that one day justice will be done. Men will be careful not to engage in gender-based violence as it may 
catch up with them even in their old age. We are a bit disappointed oh, that reparation has not been involved in the that a smack is as good as a pervert sexual act and that's why more considerations that have been given uh, to the definition of uh, sexual violence to embrace the harm that is caused with gender-based violence. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. We now conclude with the ANC. Honorable Newhout, Drew Kahn from the virtual platform. There is Njaisa there, Chairperson. Is Njaisa? No, Njaisa is long past. Or if Honorable Njaisa is back in action. Honorable Njaisa. Honorable Njaisa. Chairperson, can you hear me? Unmute. Chairperson. Okay, Honorable Chaisa. Yes, can you hear me, Chairperson? Hello. Yes. Chairperson, can you hear me? We can hear you. Yes, I was saying I'll be going for order number seven, not on this one. That is communications committee. Hello. Honorable Chaisa. Chair. Yes, I have heard you. Can you hear me now? I can hear you, no, Honorable Chaisa. We'll reserve your No, I was saying. Yes, I'm saying yes, because I'm going for number seven. What are number Thank seven? Thank you very much. PC. Thank you, Thank you very much, yeah, Honorable okay. Chaisa. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much, Chair. Yeah, well. Uh, from the ANC, Honorable Drukhan. Lubo Drukhan. Speaking from the virtual platform. Thank you, Chair. Um, Honorable Chairperson, members of the House, fellow compatriots. The ANC rises in support of the prescription in civil and criminal matters, sexual offences amendment bill. On the 8th of March, 2020, the world celebrated International Women's Day with the theme, Each for Equal. An equal world is, in, is an enabled world. The inaugural International Women's Day was held in 1911 109 years later, the struggle for equality still continues. The rates of gender-based violence, femicide, and the abuse of women, children, the LGBTQI community, and persons living with disabilities are at an all-time high. There is a war on the bodies of women and children. Chairperson, as we have gathered here today, we are reminded of the words of Mahatma Gandhi, who said, of all the evils which man has made himself responsible, 
None is so degrading, so shocking, or so brutal as his abuse of the better half of humanity, the female sex. Our society is seized with many challenges, violence against women and children being one of the main challenges. We are living in an inherently dangerous society where women are objectified. The root of many of our problems is the patriarchal fiber in our society. The ANC in its 53rd National Conference in Mangaum noted that there is still a need to continue systematically fights against patriarchy and any other forms of abuse against women in society. The 54th National Conference reaffirmed this position. Chairperson, the Prescription in Civil and Criminal Matters Amendment Bill arises from the Constitutional Court judgment Levenstein and others versus estate of the late Sidney Frankel and others, commonly referred to as the Levenstein matter. Before the judgment, all sexual offences other than rape or compelled rape prescribed after 20 years. In effect, this resulted in victims of many sexual offences being excluded from recourse in the criminal justice system. Ms. Nicole Levenstein and seven other applicants sought justice for sexual crimes committed against them as children. As adults, the applicants brought an action against Mr. Sidney Frankel, the alleged perpetrator and others. The High Court held that it was entirely irrational and arbitrary to create, create a random cutoff period of 20 years for prescription of sexual offenses. When there is a sufficient body of evidence demonstrating that these offenses inflict deep continuous trauma on survivors. The High Court also noted that many survivors suffer quietly and either never disclose the offenses at all with the with the perpetrator escaping all consequences or disclose other varying lengths of time after the offences were committed. The Constitutional Court declared Section 18 of the Criminal Procedure Act unconstitutional to the extent that it bars in all circumstances the right to institute a prosecution for all sexual offences other than those listed in Section 18, F, H, and I of the Act. After the lapse of a period of 20 years from the time when the offence was committed. Essentially, the bill seeks to comply with the Constitutional Court judgment. The amendments contained in the bill will provide the National Prosecuting Authority with a wider discretion to institute the prosecution of sexual offences cases that were committed even 20 years earlier. Chairperson, this amendment bill will ensure that victims of sexual abuse are better protected and women afforded the justice that they are entitled to, firstly as human beings and as citizens of South Africa. Further, this case 
will serve as an example in years to come as more nations decide to take the allegations of sexual violence seriously. Women have the right to be free from all forms of violence, irrespective of the nature of the sexual violence and whether the violence was perpetrated when the victim was an adult or child. We welcome the commitment made by President Ramaphosa <clears throat> that government is going to overall and modernize the National Register of Gender-Based Violence Offenders provided for in the Sexual Offenses Act to ensure it is effective in combating gender-based violence. <clears throat> the National Register of Offenders will list all the men convicted of acts of violence against Justice, women and children. Justice, and remember this. James Agler Fee said, the privilege against self-incrimination, which is basically to... In closing, I end off on a quote by renowned political activist, Prof. Fatima Mir. No idea, Chair. They fought because they did not want to carry a pass. I carry my pass every day in my heart because as a woman, I can't walk freely on the streets. We can't claim our freedom as women in this country, and so we must continue the fight. The ANC supports this bill. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Member. Are there any objections to the bill being read a second time? No objections agreed to. The Secretary will read the bill a second time. Prescription in Civil and Criminal Matters, Sexual Offenses Amendment Bill. Thank you very much. The bill will be sent to the National Council of Provinces for concurrence. As I welcome the co-chair, Honorable Cedric Florick, to, to take over. Well, thank you, House Chairperson. We'll move thank on you. to the seventh order, and I'll request you to read the seventh order. Consideration of report of Portfolio Committee and Correctional Services on the Recognition of Customary Marriages Amendment Bill. I now recognize the Honorable the Chief Whip of the Majority Party. Welcome, Honorable Flory Frolic. Hi, Wu. I recognize the What is going on now? What is this now? It's precisely what we are saying. Let's move to Petroleum. May I ask the IITs just to mute the other mics? I'm recognizing the chief of the majority party. Thank you very much, Chair. I'm calling our own member, Honorable Mbalula, to be in order. You don't just jump into the visual platform when the House is in session. Chair, I move that um, this House adopt the report. The motion is that the report be adopted. Are there any objections? There's no objections agreed to. The Secretary will Sorry. read the order. Is an objection from the DA? Your objection is noted. 
The secretary will read the eighth order. Second reading, second reading, recognition of customary marriages, amendment bill. I now recognize the Honorable Muhammad from the chamber. House Chairperson, the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, having considered the recognition of customary marriages amendment bill, referred to it and classified as a section 76 bill, reports the bill. The committee further reports that in the matter of Ramahoui and others versus the President of the Republic of South Africa, the Constitutional Court found in this case that Section 7.1 of the Recognition of Customary Marriages Act to be inconsistent with the Constitution and invalid in that it limits the right of human dignity, discrimination unfairly against women in polygamous marriages, customary marriages entered into before the recognition of the Customary Marriages Act commenced. The Constitutional Court, however, suspended the declaration of the invalidity for 24 months to afford Parliament uh, an opportunity to enact remedial legislation that is before the 30th of November uh, 2019. The suspension of the declaration of invalidity was accompanied by an order, however, for interim relief that would continue to apply should Parliament fail to correct the defect by the time set. On the 2nd September, House Chairperson 2019, the bill was introduced and referred to the Committee for Consideration and Report. In response to, all, to the call for public comment, the committee received about uh, five written submissions and we held uh, public hearings on the 15th of February this year. During the committee's deliberations, a concern was raised to the effect that the bill fails to define the forms of property ownership at, as, at customary law, such as marital property, house property, family property, and personal property. The committee, however, is of the view that the insertion of a definition of these terms in the bill would require in-depth research as well as extensive conclusion or consultation with the relevant stakeholders to avoid unintended consequences to the detriment of women in customary marriages to whom the bill aims to protect. Uh, the committee notes that the South African Law Reform Commission with the Department of Home Affairs is reviewing the South African marriage regime and the committee agrees that this process is better placed to investigate the definitions of forms of property ownership as at, at customary law, and therefore request that the ministry bring the matter to the attention of the commission for investigation. Our chairperson, the report is submitted for adoption. Thank you very much. Thank you, honorable member. Request for declaration of vote has been received. I will now allow one member of each political party wishing to make a declaration and opportunity to do so. The Democratic Alliance, the Honorable Breitenbach from the Chamber. No offense. <laughs> uh, thank you, House Chair. Uh, honorable members, um, the Democratic Alliance would like to begin by expressing its uh, deep and sincere condolences to the Honorable Muhammad on uh, a loss of, of his sister last week. Uh, we really are very, very sorry. The purpose of the Recognition of Customary Marriages Amendment Bill is to amend the Recognition of, of Customary Marriages Act of 1998 after the Constitutional Court confirmed the constitutional inv invalidity of Section 7.1 in the matter of Ramahovi versus the President of the Republic of South Africa. 
The amendment changes the re regime applicable to polygamous customary marriages by determining that husbands and wives will henceforth have joint and equal ownership and rights to marital property, house property, and family property. The bill seeks to give effect to two judgments of the Constitutional Court, the Gumedi versus President of the Republic of South Africa and Ramahovi and others versus the President of the Republic of South Africa. Pre-1994, the law barely recognized customary marriages as opposed to marriages entered into in accordance with the Marriages Act 25 of 1961. Women in customary marriages were regarded as perpetual minors. They could not acquire or own property in their own right and in some parts of the country, customary husbands had absolute ownership of household property and personal property, including the earnings of their wives. The grudging recognition of customary marriages prejudiced immeasurably the evolution of the rules governing these marriages. Section 211 sub 3 of the Constitution provides for the application of customary law by the courts where it's applicable, subject to the Constitution and any other legislation that deals with customary law. One of the pieces of legislation enacted in this regard was the Recognition of Customary Marriages Act 120 of 1998. Since this act came into force in November 2000, it has brought both legal and social changes to the institution of marriage. The Recognition Act sought to ensure that the parties to a customary marriage enjoy equality of status within the marriage and to improve women's access to economic resources from a marriage. Section 6 of the act provides that women have full status and capacity and equal rights to acquire and dispose of property in a customary marriage. The Recognition of Customary Marriages Act came into force on the 15th of November 2000, and both monogamous and polygamous customary marriages are legally recognized under the Act. Limitations in the Act resulted in the two constitutional court judgments already mentioned. One consequence of the judgment was that the High Court held that Section 7 sub 1 was constitutionally invalid in that it discriminated unfairly against women in pre-Act polygamous custody marriages on the basis of gender and race, ethnic or social origin. The consequences of 7-1 made it possible for the deceased to bequeath the greatest share of the estate to his second civil law wife to the disadvantage of his customary law wives. In the Constitutional Court judgment, Madlanga Jai, writing a unanimous judgment, commented that in a sense, the Ramahovi application was a sequel to the Gamedi case. In the words of the Constitutional Court, not quote, it is to the disparity between the propriety regimes applicable to pre-act and new polygamous customary marriages that the ensuing debate relates. The court also noted that in almost 10 years since Gumedi, the legislature had not filled the gap. And that explains how section 7.1 continues to govern pre-act polygamous customary marriages. The constitutional court in the Mahovi matter gave the order with regard to Section 7.1 of the Act, a retrospective effect, remarking that, and I quote, the discrimination at issue here is so odious that it would be a failure of justice if the de de declaration of invalidity were to be prospective. Wives in pre-Act polygamous customary marriages would continue being subjected to the indignity and repugnant unfair discrimination of being unable to own and control marital property. The Democratic Alliance holds the view that while constitutional invalidity is addressed by this bill, on a technical level, and therefore meets the minimum requirement imposed on us as legislators, the bill fails to ensure that wives in polygamous marriages will henceforth be able to exercise the rights afforded to them in theory. Despite the observation of the Constitutional Court and the shortcomings of the legislature, the failure to fill the gap, that is precisely what we are doing again here today. The bill fails to define the terms marital property, house property, and family property. 
therefore creating a loophole through which traditional leaders and husbands in polygamous marriages may determine property that rightfully should fall within these categories be designated so that such property falls within the sole control of the husband as so-called personal property. The department and the ANC majority in the committee refused to accept proposed definitions of these terms during the public hearings on the basis that it may lead to unintended consequences, examples of which could not be supplied. The Democratic Alliance is of the view that to support this bill would mean to fail women living according to customary practices and who are still subject to the type of odious patriarchy described by the Constitutional Court and the continued refusal of their basic rights. We therefore do not support this bill. I thank you. Thank you, the next speaker is the Honourable Ndlozi on the virtual platform. The Honourable Ndlozi. Thank you very much, uh, <coughs> House Chairperson. In terms of the Section 7.1 of the Recognition of Customary Marriages Act and the applicable indigenous custom, wives in old polygamous customary marriages acquired no property rights in or control over marital property. When divorced women depend on the virtue of the husband, whether they will acquire property or not, nothing in law forced the ex-husband to force to share property with the wife he divorces if they were in a polygamous marriage. The Toyando High Court in the Ramuhobi matter therefore sought to remedy this obvious injustice. A ruling confirmed by the Constitutional Court, it found that Section 7.1 of the Recognition of Customary Marriages Act is inconsistent with the Constitution and invalid in that it limits the right to human dignity and discriminates unfairly on the basis A of gender, B of race, ethnic or social origins against women in polygamous customary marriages entered into before the Recognition of Customary Marriages Act in 1998 commenced. The bill is therefore a long overdue requirement in our democratic system. It must be welcomed as a step in the right direction disarticulating our society from the hatred it has legalized against women in institutions like customary polygamous marriages. To subject a woman divorced out of polygamous marriage to propertylessness is violence against women. It is the same as denying them inheritance of land, which still exists as a customary practice in many villages across the country. Indeed, the hatred of women finds its institutionalization in laws like marriage laws and their practices. We must be unapologetic that the dignity of women is a non-negotiable, even in the face of cold religious or customary practices, however old. It is such laws which give credibility to the treatment of women as subservient beings. From early childhood, men grow up in households where women are considered unworthy of owning property. They are simply slaves to men's desires. In fact, often the attitude that allows a man to divorce a woman who for children to care uh, of his and her children's uh, domestic affairs for many years without sharing any property is the same attitude in forming entitlement over women and their bodies in a patriarchal and uh, toxic masculine society. It gives power to men to render women in or out of property at their own will. It is the basis many women hesitate to divorce as well because the law uh, does not guarantee them property to raise their children or survive uh, after the harsh economic conditions of divorce. We must never allow any custom tradition, however old, to hold women in indignity at the feet of patriarchal masculinity. The bill must be welcome on the condition as well 
that the definitional problems pointed out in many of the public consultations are dealt with when the broader amendments in the marriage regimes are enacted at a later stage. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker will be from the IFP, the Honorable Van der Merwe, who will speak from the Chamber. The Honorable Van der Merwe. Honorable Chairperson, uh, this is Chief Whip Singh here. We've agreed that I will speak on behalf of Professor Msimong, if I may proceed. See. Chairperson, yeah. Could I proceed, Chairperson? Chairperson, I'm waiting for your directive. Yes, the, I received the name of the Honorable Van Amerigo. Uh, yes, that, that, that was in error. Uh, sorry, Professor Simang is having connectivity problems, so I'll place the IFP position before the House. Okay, that, please go ahead. Thank you very much. Uh, Honorable Chairperson, the IFP firstly feels that the recognition of customary marriages amendment bill is a fundamental step forward in the quest for equality in our society, particularly for women who are married customarily and even more so for those in polygamous marriages. The Constitutional Court in the Ramahovi and others president of the Republic of South Africa case made an important ruling that affirmed the rights of women in our democracy, specifically the right to be free from unfair discrimination based on any grounds, but in this case, unambiguously on the basis of gender, race, ethnic or social origin and marital status for women in polygamous customary marriages. The bill is imperative, not only because of the apex court order, but also because South Africa is and should be a plural society in which diverse existences are celebrated and afforded equal protection by the law. Women who elect to be married under customary law in a democratic South Africa should not be excluded from the protection of the constitution as the highest law of the land, simply because they have not chosen to marry in terms of other legislation that extends equitable property rights and human dignity to married women. The amendment remedies the omission of women who are in polygamous customary marriage, and the Carter Freedom Party believes it is in the best interest of both women from a personal property rights position and family units, that is from a family property rights position, to have such rights protected by law. The amendment will allow women to elect customary marriage without the fear of being left destitute and or dependent upon the death of their spouses and offers a comprehensive approach that awards due status to customary marriages similar to civil marriages. The bill reiterates the IFP's commitment to cultural diversity of country and our constituents. The IFP notes the objections of the Women's Legal Center and others regarding the definitions in the bill and echoes the sentiments regarding the current undertaking by the South African Law Reform Commission and the Department of Home Affairs of reviewing the South African marriage regime. That process, we believe, will be in due course address the aforementioned objections. The IFP supports this amendment bill. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is the Honorable Swart, who will join us from the Chamber. The Honorable Swart. Thank you, House Chair. House Chair, the ACDP supports this amendment bill, which, as other speakers have indicated, amends Section 7.1 of the Recognition of Customary Marriages Act. Now, that section before the amendment 
read that the propriety consequences of custody marriages entered into before the commencement of this act continued to be governed by customary law. And that obviously resulted in a number of problems highlighted first in the Gumedi case, where it was stated that the Recognition Act sought to, quote, jettison gendered inequality within customary marriage and the marital power of the husband by providing for the equal status and capacity of spouses. And then again, it was dealt with as indicated in the Constitutional Court decision of Ramahavi where, versus the President, where it was found that Section 7171 did not assist women in the situation before the Recognition Act was passed, and hence this amendment bill. Now, we know that there are thousands of vulnerable women in South Africa living in polygamous marriages who suffer the hardships of the non-recognition of their proprietary rights due to customary law rules. Because they do not have equal control over property within their marriages, they are vulnerable to eviction, homelessness, and of course, destitution. They may also have children to care for in circumstances where finding employment or an alternate home is particularly difficult. And this can be particularly harsh on older women and is clearly untenable. As the court pointed out, the fact of not owning or having control over marital property renders wives in the pre-act polygamous marriages particularly vulnerable and at the mercy of husbands. Now, there was a section, which was section 7.4, contained in an attempt to assist such situations, but the court said this was cold comfort, if not pie in, the square, pie in the sky, given the requirement that the husband would need to consent to a change of the marital regime. The court added that, worse of all, if not most wives in these marriages may not even be aware of Section 7.4, and thus have not managed to extricate themselves from the Pre-Recognition Act woeful situation. This has now been dealt with in this act, and whilst we appreciate the concerns about the definitions, we agree that these aspects can be remedied in due course. The ACDP supports this amendment bill. I thank you. Thank you, Honourable Member. The next speaker is the Honourable Sheikh Imam from the Chamber. Thank you, Honourable House Chair. The National Freedom Party notes and welcomes the report that tabled here today. Now, Honourable House Chair, the primary aim of the recognition of the customer marriages amendment bill was to amend Section 7.1 and 7.2 of the Recognition of Customary Marriages Act 1998, which we all know the Constitutional Court had found to be constitutionally invalid. The bill also amended the definition of traditional leader in Section 1 of the Act to be in line with the Traditional and Khoisan Leadership Act of 2019. The Constitutional Court found that Section 7.1 discriminated against women in polygamous marriages entered into before the act was passed in so far as it provided that the proprietary consequences of such marriages continued to be governed by customary law, according to which wives had no right of ownership and control over marital property. This bill sought to provide the spouses in such marriages with joint and equal rights over marital property. Section 7.2 was amended to remove the distinction made between monogamous customary marriages entered into before and after the act was passed. Now, Honorable House Chair, it is common knowledge, particularly in the country with the number of men that are entering into polygamous marriages and particularly on their demise 
what happens to those wives and what happens to those children, very often not provided for. Sometimes you find the one wife benefiting and child benefiting at the expense of the other. So indeed the National Freedom Party believes this is going a long way in addressing the marginalization or victimization of certain women that have entered into either polygamous or customary marriages. The National Freedom Party supports the amendment table here. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Member. Are there any other party who wish to make a declaration? Uh, Al Jamaa, Honorable Chair. Please continue, Honorable Member. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Honorable Chair, it is discriminatory for a Khoza Zulu Shutu Muslim and a Khoisan Malay Indian woman, Muslim women, to be treated differently when it comes to their human dignity in matters of their marriages. This we have not seen even in the worst days of apartheid. Honorable Chair, the Constitutional Court has directed changes to this bill. But when the Constitutional Court declares that the nikah marriage is a valid marriage, Muslims must now wait for four more years to get their dignity. Homophys still harms the dignity of Muslim women married in a nikah for 40 years to have an entry on their death certificate of their spouse that says they were never married. Can't they just leave out this entry? You know, Honorable Chair, with this COVID deaths, the Muslim woman doesn't even see her husband. She goes from the hospital directly to the cemetery. And so all she has is a death certificate which says she's never married, in spite of the fact that she's been married to this man. Uh, she paid the labola, which we, uh, which we call the, 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 the Bakr. Uh, she was married by an imam. This is an indignity to women, and I can't understand how this, how this parliament that is so, so uh, passionate about women's rights ignore the rights of Muslim women. Thank you very much. Are there any other party who wish to make a declaration? If not, the ANC, the Honorable Janki. The enactment of the Recognition of Customary Act in okay. 1990 was a significant in the lives of Africans in particular. Democratic government as led by the ANC gave legal recognition to a type of marriage which has been in existence since time immemorial. African customary marriages were afforded the same legal status as civil marriages. The act reinvigorated a sense of pride and identity in the culture of Africans. This could only have happened under an ANC-led government. As we discuss this amendment bill, I pause and reflect on Women's Charter of 1954, which was adopted at the founding conference of the Federation of South African Women. The women of South Africa from all walks of life boldly declared, we resolve to struggle for the removal of laws and customs that deny African women the right to own, to inherit or alienate property. We resolve to work for a change in the laws of marriage such as are found amongst our African, Malay, and Indian people, which have the, the effect of placing wives in the position of legal subjection. Okay, to 
and giving husbands the
There are objections. I'll recognize those parties who wish to object, the Democratic Alliance. Thank you, House Chair. The Democratic Alliance would like to register their objection. Objection is noted. Are there any other objections? There's no further objections. So the bill is agreed to, and the secretary will read the bill a second time. Recognition of customary marriages amendment bill. The bill will be sent to the National Council of Provinces for concurrence. Honorable members, we will now take orders number nine to 41 together as they appear on the order paper. These are the reports of the portfolio committees on budget votes. As been agreed to by all parties, there will be no declaration of votes on these reports and parties will have the opportunity to make declarations during the consideration of the votes and schedule on Friday the 12th of June. However, I will allow parties to indicate their objections to the specific reports should they wish to do so. I now recognize the Honorable Chief Whip of the Majority Party. Thank you very much, um, Honorable uh, Chair of Chairs. Chair of Chairs, I hereby move that um, ninth to the 41 orders be adopted as these reports uh, are, tabled in the, in, in, are tabled in the ATC. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Chief Whip. Honorable Members, the motion is that the reports be adopted. Are there any objections? Yes, House Chair, there are objections. There are objections, and I will take the parties in order. The Democratic Alliance. House Chair, just for clarity, would you like me to just declare uh, which items we're objecting to in one go? That's correct, Honorable uh, Chief Whip of the Opposition. Right. In that case, House Chair, thank you very much. The DA objects to order number 15, the vote on human settlements, um, the report on human settlements. We object to item number 16, the health uh, report. We object to item 20, employment, labor, and strategic plans. We object to item 21, public enterprises. We object to the National Treasury vote, uh, uh, item number 23. We object to item 31, the STRAT plan for the Office of the Chief Justice. We object to the STRAT plan for the Department of Correctional Services. We object to item 34, the annual performance plan for agriculture, land reform and rural development. We object to item 39, the strat plan for national school of government. And we object to item number 40, the Department of Environment, Fisheries and Forestry and Fisheries. Thank you, House Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Chief Whip. You've set a very good example. We wish the other parties will do likewise. The EFF. Thank you, House Chair. The EFF objects to all the reports that are there except for item 30 we support uh sorry item 31 we support item 31 chief justice we support item 35 start sa and we object to everything else thank you thank you honorable mente the ifp Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. The IFP supports all the reports as tabled on the order paper from 9 to 41. 
Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Singh. Freedom Front Plus. The Freedom Front Plus. Thank you, Chairperson. The Freedom Front Plus objects to the uh, report on trade and industry and the report on Treasury. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. The ACDP. Thank you, House Chair. The ACDP objects to international relations and cooperation, public enterprises, public works and infrastructure, correctional services, agricultural land and rural development, and uh, that's, that's what we're objecting to at this stage. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Swart. The UDM. If the UDM is not present, the ATM. The ATM. The next part is good. The NFP. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. The National Freedom Party supports all reports from number 9 to 41. Thank you. The AIC. Cope. The PAC. Let's go back to COPE, the Honorable Madisha. Ibrahim, COPE supports, thank you. Thank you. The PAC, Al Jamaa. Al Jamaa has no objections, but we'll have a lot to say on Friday. Thank you, Al Jamaa. Are there any other party who have not been recognized who want to declare? their position on the different budget votes? If not... Yes, person, what about the ANC? That's why I've asked Honorable Singh. The <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> no, the ANC is silent. Honorable members, those objections will be recorded next to the name of the political parties and the report is thus agreed to. That concludes the business for the day and the house is adjourned. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. No,